Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When I was in the when I was dedicated to the cause of Lucifer, I was at that point a second generation witch. I was laying there, practically, and I had her hold me as if I was me. I couldn't talk. I couldn't open my eyes. I, I believe my eyes were rolling back in my head. There was evidence of human sacrifice on this flight. One of my first questions I asked was, "Is there evidence of human sacrifice?" Yes. We found the man with his fingers sliced off. guys we're here and uh we got the next person here mr rocky stucci we the are man spooning. Who, the, we are spooning. <laughs> the man who needs no real introduction i don't think <laughs> do you think there's a conspiracy behind somebody coming up and giving me a spoon and then winking at me and walking away yeah there probably is i'm sure there's probably some deep significance it's weird because is... it made one of my nipples hard and not the other one <laughs> Ooh. Is that like a is that like a 
is that like a chemical imbalance thing, or is that like a psychological thing, or is that like a, <laughs> no, it could be both. a secret Very message? <laughs> I'm keeping this spoon for the record. Keep it's an spoon, archaeological man. find. I don't know if I would actually eat eat with it, but since it's been in the dirt and all, where's the spoon been? <laughs> <laughs> Look at Rob. Rob's over there saying, you know, this ain't cool. This ain't cool. Rocky, We're supposed to be serious here. Right. Welcome. It's so good to see you in person. Yeah, man. man. About time. It's been a lot. Yeah. So how long have we known each other? Well, a year and a half? Let's see. Yeah. But February of last year was when I contacted Scotty. I just wanted to Sorry. get on another. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to get on, <laughs> just wanted to get on another network. Yep. And he told me to contact you. And I called you up. And uh, Bada we boom. talked. And you put, you put us on. Now you guys are on IPBN and StreamingTalkRadio.com. Yep. And, you know, here's a cool thing, guys, just so you guys know that since the inception of the new one, we have tripled our listenership. Oh, Ooh, awesome. Nice. Yeah. Absolutely. Very cool. I was going <laughs> to... Yeah. Beep. Well, right. you have your own show going on now. Like, Well, you had before, but it now has your name on it. Yeah, I was really weird about that. <laughs> you know, the guy, the guy he suggested, and I'm like, hmm, Okay. But you know what I'm saying? I felt funny about it. I've always, you know, EBN Special Report or EBN Talk Radio because I started doing paranormal radio and then I was just like, I I, I had a problem with this. And I don't know if I've talked with you guys about this, but with the whole paranormal radio thing is that the stories are intriguing, but how do you sell the emotion that your guests experience when they have these experiences? You can't can't sell that emotion to it, you know? And I felt frustrated because are the listeners feeling what, the guest is trying to give them in their story or their experience. And when you don't feel it, it's almost hard to appreciate it. It's almost like, mm, could be real, couldn't be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was my biggest frustration. And that's when things just kind of changed a little bit. And somehow I've been cursed. And we talk about <laughs> politics and current events now. Mm-hmm. So, And it is quite the curse. So <laughs> I've been on medication since I started doing that. <laughs> Do you ever feel like exhausted by it? Like a day in and day out kind of talking about this this kind of stuff? Well, I'm sick of talking politics because, you know, honestly, I do it because it's part of the program. It's what the listeners want. We're in the drive time slot. We're four to six. But it's just a game. You know, it's just a game. And we're constantly fed this crap for media. And, you know, this whole presidential run has done nothing but separate this country more. Mm-hmm. It's done nothing but piss people off. And it's not stopping anytime soon. No, but the thing is, is that my biggest thing is how are people so gullible? How do people believe everything that they see? And I think that's one of my biggest frustrations is that why don't people do their own actual research on individuals instead of believing what they learn mm-hmm. off the 10 o'clock news? You know, mm-hmm. why is Trump a racist? People can't answer that. Most people can't answer that. Is this because he wants to build a wall? Is it racist? Is that racist to want to build a wall? Answer well, me. I mean, I don't know if it's not necessarily. You're looking at me. I don't funny. know if it's necessarily racist. Or did you wink but at I, me? I, <laughs> Do you wink at me? You gotta be you careful. Me? <laughs> you gotta be careful about the winking. Uh, I don't I, know if he's necessarily racist per se. I think it's it, more of it's a like, national security thing. But the way his arrogant ass comes off, yeah, when he talks about the Muslims, when he talks about. If he worded it differently, I think people would accept it differently. You know what I mean? He he should word it as in, we have not 6 million illegals in this country. We have over 16 million. And that's coming from an immigrations officer that's retired that I know. Uh, in regards to the Middle East or Muslims or radicals or however you want to look at it, that is a major national threat to our security. If we sit back, put our personal beliefs aside, take a look at what's going on around the world, 
if what's happening around the world could potentially happen here, then we need to heighten our security. Well, when I look at Trump, when I hear what he he's says, ugly, yeah, and I hate his hair, and his orange face. I could punch uh, him, even though Glenn Beck tried to copy him by uh, putting his his face in Cheetos, but that's neither here nor there. Okay, but to make him look insane, Glenn Beck look insane. But when I look at Trump and I see when I look at his like what he's what he says, I think, okay, how are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like that's what I did eventually. I I I, I sat back and thought. How is he going to do the things that he says he's going to you do? You can't just do it. He says, right. I'm going to make Mexico pay for it. But Come, how? Right, right, right. It's, it's That's the problem. Historically, let's just go back eight years. Go back to 2007 when Obama was campaigning. I recently posted a video on uh, streamingtalkradio.com. It's called How Obama Won the Election. He won it through media. I mean, really, what did Obama do in Senate? Mm-hmm. How many people can answer that question? He co-signed a couple bills, you know, in the short time that he was there. He did nothing to earn the respect as a president. So when people say that Trump is disqualified, to me, Obama was just as disqualified. But it was the media that put him in office. If you listen to everything Obama said when he was campaigning to be president the first time around, 90% of what he said he never did. Yeah, including you know, closing Guantanamo Bay, which still that's, has not it's happened. All, that's the problem. Is that's all yeah. part of the political game. Right. They're selling you a vehicle. They're selling you... A ticket. They're they're selling for you to temporarily support them enough to put their name on that ballot, and that's it. Because once they get in that office, it's they can't just say, "I'm going to build a wall and then build it." I mean, there are steps, there's procedures, there's there's ways to do pass that. Bills you got to pass and bills. And if the Congress doesn't agree with you, and you know the Democrats aren't going to agree with him, but Half if he Republicans doesn't, if he doesn't get the Republicans to agree right. with him, he can't just do can't things. just do it. Can't just because then he's no better than Obama because right. Obama has also issued executive orders. Right? How's he? How's he going to do it? How's he going to be able to exclude Muslims from coming into the country right. too? I mean, a lot of people when that whole thing was going on, when was that December? A lot of people were talking about how um, Carter mm-hmm. had excluded Iranians from coming in. Okay, well, let's look at that for a second. These are people with an Iranian passport. Right. It's so much easier to exclude those people right. Right. because they have that passport. They have that documentation. How are we going to exclude somebody for their for their religion? Right. right. It's 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 next to impossible. Or or where they are from on this planet. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, you see, that's my hardest part is that I know people. My sister's a social worker, and I hear these stories of these people that come from Africa and and just this horrific life that they have. We know that us, and this may hurt people's feelings, but we, this country, are responsible for the destruction of Syria. For what? We absolutely are. For what? We turned a beautiful country into rubble. And we sit here and we say we can't allow any Syrians in this country. Now, you guys have heard my shows. I'm very adamant about the protection of this country and who we're allowing in. And are we able or not able to vet them? But, you know, let's look at this from all perspectives. There are good people looking to save the lives of their children and to get them out of that country. Right. Uh, same thing with Iraq. What We went into Iraq, weapons of mass destruction, my ass, okay? We were talking about this the other day, Rocky. We were talking about how um, we go in and we destabilize. basically destabilize. We basically destroy a country, and then all of a sudden we want to bring all the refugees over here because what – I mean, I don't even understand what that is. Is that, is that a sense of guilt? Is it a sense of shame? You know, it's a business. Yeah, 
refugees as a business. And uh, Scotty and I did a show on all these different people in this country that benefit financially. So are they helping these refugees because they truly care or is it because they're making money off of it? But the thing is, is the whole Iraq thing. I don't know. I mean, again, there's another country. We it's it's rubble. Uh, in Iraq Absolutely. was was a as much as it does not fit our way of life. It much as it does not fit our our belief of what a democracy is. The Middle East is a different world. It's a different way of living. It's not just because it's not up to our standard doesn't mean it's not up to theirs. And say what you will about Saddam. He kept that country under control. Iraq was one of the first countries that ever did a legitimate heart transplant. It used to be a beautiful country. Some of the most historical sites in the world are in Iraq. And now it's mm-hmm. now it's rubble. So, you know, yeah, do I speak the things I speak? I sure do. I, I speak about corruption being from the people that we depend on to make the best calls for this country. But I don't ever disclude the good, honorable people around this world that just want to live. They just want to yeah. wake up and know they're going to survive that day. Look Which at, is most people. Look at down south. Look at Venezuela. Look at, if we're such a compassionate country, then why are we not sending aid down to these down to these countries and sending them food and water and giving them what they need to sustain, to be able to live? And we're not. Yeah. We're not doing anything. But yet we can send 2,500 troops to Iraq to protect our damn oil field? It's it's it's, just, it's not right. We're not morally right as as in a government system. Priorities are Priorities. all screwed up. Absolutely, and, and yeah. it's heartbreaking. It really is. And and the obverse of that, though, you you have to find you have to find some kind of happy medium because I've had this discussion with a few people, and you know I I have a wife that's from another country. Mm-hmm. My stepson is from another country, and so I'm I'm very compassionate about immigrants, right. and I and I know that our immigration. Needs reform, right? Because it's so hard for somebody to come over here. It's, the only it's people so- that usually get in here is historically are the people that have a lot of money. Yeah, that are the ones that can get yeah. into this country. Well, through my the wife, immigration for instance, system. she had to marry me. We waited for eighteen months to get a green car for her. We waited a few years more to get her citizenship. Right, it's a process. It was much easier with my stepson because he was already there, and she was able to to petition for him and get his green sure. card there. That being said. Practically, everybody cannot come here. Right. Well, we're taking in a million people a year legally. A million people a year we're taking in legally right now through the immigrations, green cards, whatever it may be. Yeah. Sooner or later, that that's going to have to balance out because a million people a year, I mean, so in 10 years, we're going to have 10 more million people in this year. We're going to have 330 million people. I'm not saying we're running out of space, but uh, it's, it's how are we going to sustain that? You know what I mean? Because a lot of these people are financially dependent when they come into this country and they do qualify a lot of these people qualify for assistance for their entire life but think about the balance system so if we continue to bring more and more people in this country and we are financially taking care of them sooner or later it's going to be more of the people that depend on help than the people that are able to give it right and certain certain infrastructures and systems can only keep up so fast right and so soon it's going to be a a system it's going to be like a program that's going to collapse sooner or later it just can't sustain itself and the lower, the middle class has just, for the first time ever, gone under 50% in this country. And I think that's the most scary thing about Very it. Very scary. Is that we, we need, you need to have a society that is basically civilized and basically is a progressive happening society. Mm-hmm. You need a strong middle class. And what because do we do either to help you have that? that. If you have that, you have... If you don't have that, you have a country like where my wife is from, Brazil. Mm-hmm. There's a good case in point. 
you you have a fledgling middle class, but mm-hmm. you do not have a a strong middle class. So you have a wide gulf between rich and poor. Right. And that is what I see is what is happening in this country. And in some ways, I believe it's by design. But where's where's the revenue going to be generated? Because the rich could create business, right? And then they could pay the lower class change. So how, in the long run, do we sustain our government and our society if we don't have more of a contribution financially through the middle class? So if you have somebody who's making $300 a week, and just think about the percentage of taxes that come out in that, we're already $20 trillion in debt. And and if we do that rich, poor thing. Yeah, well, you would essentially have a, you would essentially have a case of modern-day feudalism, really. That's what it would be. Is what you would have. Right. And, and and there's there's people at the top, and and this is scary stuff. And you know, goes right into this right mm-hmm. here, the mm-hmm. Georgia Guidestones kind of stuff. But, you know, they they want they want a dependent class, right? And they want to go. Easier I think they want to go back. They want to turn the clock back 500 mm-hmm. years. Yeah, dependent class is a lot easier to control. So, how many people would fight the same government that's that they're dependent on? Yeah, that feeds them, that puts a roof over their head. Not many. And uh, that's that's the part I'm afraid we're getting to because these days, the way media and social engineering and everything we're witnessing today, our society's gone weird, man. It's it's gone weird, and uh, everybody wants everything for nothing. Nobody wants to put the work in it. You guys think doing this radio show, uh, you guys invest your time, you yep. guys invest your money, yep. you guys buy your equipment because it's a belief system and it's a drive. We don't have that anymore. We don't have that drive anymore to do things, you know? <coughs> Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cough in your ear there. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, you're 100% right. Uh, people, they they want to get a job, but they don't want to work. Right, right. They want to educate. No, you know what? When we talk about free education, you know, it is possible. And I, I am not 100% against educating people in this country. I, I say educate us before we bring other people in and give them free education so they can fly back. Most nuclear scientists or physicists in Iran have all yeah. gotten their education in the United States and then went back to Iran and, and are doing their work there. Um, but we have inner city youth that are trapped in this vicious circle. We have families in the United States that don't have money to buy a microphone. They don't have money to do anything but to be broke. So why not are we not giving these families opportunity? Now, if you look at the amount of money we send in foreign aid to all these countries around the world, over 80% of the countries in the world, 100-some countries in the world, whatever, 190 countries, I don't know, I may be way off. You're about right. But yeah. we, 80% of those countries, we give them aid. We, we give them money. We're talking billions, if not trillions of dollars. Uh, look at how much money we give Israel. Look at how much money we give the Middle East. Look at what we're doing now financially that has nothing to do with this country. Look at how many military bases we have around the world, mm-hmm. you know? And so if you think about all the money that we, right here at this table, people, American citizens, working people in this country pay for, and we're not getting the reward from it. Other countries are. And I'm not totally against that. You know, we got to help other people, right? But within if we, reason, though. Within, within reason. reason. That's the thing. Huh. That's, that's the thing. And, and so if you looked at all the money that goes out the door to everybody but this country— so could education in this country, do I think it's intelligent to make sure that we get a proper education? I absolutely do. So if there is a way, I'm not against that, you know, but I'm against promising it and not being able to fulfill it. Just like promising a wall and not being able to fulfill it. You know what I mean? 
Um, like Bernie Sanders, he says a lot of things I agree with, but his way is is actually hurting the mindset of our youth. A lot of I look at some of these protests and what they want, and yeah, if somebody offers you free education, that that shouldn't be something to take advantage of. It should be something utilized. But again, go to the inner city kids. Kids have nothing. They have no hope. A lot of them will be dead by the time they're 16, 17 years old from gang violence. Help them. Come up with programs for them. Help them get out of this hole and succeed in this world and grow up and make a difference against everything they dislike. If they don't like cops, grow up and become part of the system and make it better. You know what I mean? Yeah. They need start building from within start and start building, building from, within. from, from yep. without. Exactly. And, and you know, my, one of my uh, – I've really kind of come to the conclusion as far as like Bernie Sanders is concerned – is that I don't nece- I, I don't necessarily dislike him. I like some of the stuff that he says. He, says a lot he has, of he has a lot of good points. You know, uh, I don't agree with him politically. I'm right. not I'm right. not on that side of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the people that f- that follow him are, I think, a lot of them don't know how to think critically. A lot, of them, a lot to of them are being told what to think, what like to you think. said. A lot yeah. of them are being told pie in the sky kind of right. things. Right. You know, there's other people like you know Rob. I think he supports Sanders, but it's not like, but it, but he well, has well, a, but he has, but he has good reasons, <laughs> right? And he tells me those reasons. You know, I like how he calls out Wall Street. If people Absolutely. exactly, you yeah. guys, you guys know what's going on. If people really, here's here again, people have, all these people have opinions without doing no type of background research, yeah. right? If people really understood Wall Street, if people really understood the Federal Reserve, if people understood the banking system, they would be uh, outraged. They would be disgusted. And, uh, be revolt in the street in the morning. It would be a revolution yeah. overnight. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, but then again, I'm just the whole socialist thing, political side of things. And, and somebody asked me the other day, would you... I don't. I don't have a political tag. I don't call myself a liberal. I don't call myself a conservative. I don't call myself Republican or Democrat. No. Um, I call myself a good, honorable man that thinks everybody has the the, the right to live and to be able to sustain. And uh, I believe in a true, free country. And I believe that we have the right to protect ourselves. And I believe in those things, right? And somebody asked me, "Would you vote for a Democrat?" I was like, "Well, sure." And they looked at me like, "What?" I said, "I'll vote for Kennedy." He was a Democrat. I said, I'll vote for the person who has the true interest of this country. And that's it right there. And there's that's actually one thing that I think uh, Trump and Bernie both share that I appreciate about both of them right. is that they're outside of that established system. Yep. And they're scaring people on the, the inside. Been hearing things and, about the assassination of Donald Trump. What do you guys think of that? About the possibility yeah, of yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's always a possibility. And there's a lot of people that are really riled up right now. I think that he does not represent the mainstream. He does not represent the elites. That's the problem. To them, he is an upstart. Look at the millions of dollars they invested to try to get him out, and they can't. They have not succeeded. Uh, the neoconservatives yet. do not like right. him because he takes uh, positions that are counter mm-hmm. to their positions, mm-hmm. such as saying that Iraq was a bad idea. Right. I right. mean, um, saying that he wants to. Uh, sit down and talk with Vladimir Putin, which is something they do not well, want to you do. You know, I mean, that's the whole thing, too. Why is he not our ally? Even though, again, there I go. Good question. You know, we, because the way their government is ran is different than ours. But do you really hear people in Russia 
complaining about their life. You know, I mean, they're they're a powerhouse, and they should be our ally in this world, well, and not our enemy. And that makes me nervous that our political system wants them to be our enemy. That makes me extremely, extremely nervous. Um, yeah, it makes me nervous because Russia has still like about twelve thousand nuclear weapons. Absolutely, they do. Absolutely, and and here's the thing, man. Is uh, you know, you talk about our political parties, and you talk about our politicians, and uh, again, if people do a little research too, and and look at some of these big companies and some of these state contracts that are that are awarded to these construction companies, and then you follow that money, and it all goes right back to the politicians. You hear about the TPP deal where John Boehner got five million dollars. You got um, the guy from Wisconsin here, um, Scott Walker. Scott, no, no, Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. He got two point yeah. five million dollars just for a yes vote for the Trans-Pacific Partnership deal. Uh, you know, if people really sat back and put their political views aside and realize that these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. From from lobbyists, they're not making the decisions that's in the interest of us, their boss, because they are servants of the people. They're making decisions based off what serves them and their bank account. That is not how our political system was designed. It was no. designed no. as a two-party system so they can deliberate with one another to make sure that the decisions that they make are in the best interest of the United States. That's who they represent, not the world. Yeah, I think the corporatization of it is the thing that's going to eat it away the quickest. Mm-hmm. And that's what people should be fighting and focusing on. And it's and not there's even no brought laws up. It. Yeah. There's no laws against it. They can do it. They can legally do it. You know, and that's disgusting. But like what, back to what you said about the assassination of Trump, I could easily see that. Sure. I could absolutely. easily see it because well, he does not he does not agree he does not agree with them. Well, and what if was he tries be? to shake things up in any kind of substantial way, there's going to be that pushback. What was Kennedy assassinated for? What do you think? Ultimately, yeah. he was assassinated, or you know, for what we know of, he was, federal he was, reserve. He was against the Federal Reserve, yeah. And then there was some business with with Cuba. I think primarily he was assassinated because of Vietnam. He didn't want to do it. Okay, so now we look at these reasons. Oh. Trump is three times that of what he's saying he would do. Mm-hmm. He's three times what Kennedy was assassinated for. But you know what they'll do? They'll get some schizophrenic. They'll they'll radicalize them. They'll they'll brainwash them. And then they'll blame it on one single guy. You know what I mean? But I, hopefully it don't happen. But you know what? For what we've yeah. seen with Kennedy and 9-11, uh, when you studied like the economic hitmen and what they do to the other countries. Well, if Kennedy, I mean, like you mentioned Kennedy, we'll think about Bobby Kennedy. Right. Think about, you know, 1968 and him becoming president. There was a very real chance that he could do it. Mm-hmm. And he was gone. Right. You know, he was and, killed. And we had a... a I know Scotty had a hard time digesting it because there's a conversation on Facebook. Somebody asked a question, are we an oligarchy? Yeah. Scotty just could not even comprehend that. You know, we are a constitutional republic. (laughs) (laughs) Good impression. You know what I mean? (laughs) But, you know, if you really think about it, and once you start understanding the real system, how things really work. We're a constitutional republic on paper. On paper. But we're an oligarchy in, in, in real practice. We're fed to believe we're free enough to be able to go work. To pay our taxes. No. That's it. There's a there's a movie that you should check out. Um, a documentary. It's on Netflix right now. Uh, called Requiem for the American Dream, mm. and it's uh, Noam Chomsky. I love that uh, guy. He uh, yeah, genius. You know, he's very to the left. Yep. Yep. You know. Okay, yep. I can accept that. That's right. cool. Um, and his intelligence. And he talks. Though, yeah, but he know? talks about these ten ways to increase the power of corporations over the people. And increase this kind of like quasi-fascist system that we're coming into now. 
And one of those that he talks about is this give people kind of like these petty squabbles to separate each other. And this is what we talked about on our last show. Bathrooms. Bathrooms. But I was talking about more like the – that's a good example. I was was like the perfect case of this is that tow truck driver that wouldn't tow the lady in uh, North Carolina – she, he wouldn't tow her because he had a fill the burn sticker on the back right, of her car. Right, right, right. Yep. So it's like you separate people and you like you mm-hmm. get them not to care about each other. Right. You get them not to not to help each other. They won't unite and they won't. And that's exactly overthrow you. how they want us to be. Yeah, that's exactly how they want us to be. And it's, and again, we we talked about like the Hegelian dialectic. The Hegelian dialectic. Yep. Excellent. What is? I wish you'd done your presentation on that. That was. I thought awesome. about it. I thought about it, but uh, I thought about doing but your that presentation was good. So. I um, I just question what is the ultimate plan. Yeah, you know, and I go all over the board with that. You know, who wins and who f- loses, and mm-hmm. scary stuff, man. Yeah, it's scary stuff. Yeah, so, it, it really is. And yeah. you're talking about you got your child and and your wife's child. Yeah, and you know, with my kids and and I've said how much was I don't give a goddamn about me. I don't. I care about what kind of world my kids are going to grow up As I've gotten older, that's how I am, too. Mm -hmm. It's like I don't care what exactly happens to me. Now it's our job to make sure. But Mm -hmm. one point about, like, we were talking about Russia earlier, it's like that makes no sense to me why we are in this antagonistic way with Russia. I mean, let Putin have his sphere of influence. We certainly have ours. You know, right, and, right. And, and why, why try, why try to, yeah, exactly. You That's know? what we do all the time. Mm-hmm. Why try to rattle, why try to rattle the cage? You know, I remember when um, John Kerry got up there and was condemning the the war in the Ukraine. You ever look okay. at that guy? And but like, kind of want to punch him. <laughs> yeah, they call him what was it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Head or whatever. I do. I kind of want to punch a guy. Like, they, you know, they talk about how. <laughs> He he talks about how this is an unjust war and it's a war of aggression and I'm just sitting there listening to him talk about it. I'm like, what, what? war? What when did you see the this? war in Ukraine? Okay. The uh, Russia, yep. you know what they were doing. And I'm like, okay, good point. But what was our war in Iraq? It was the same damn thing. Yeah, it's always, it's, 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 a, it's a, every time we we it gets so frustrating because it's just like, okay, we can do it, but nobody else can right, do right. it. Right, right, and 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 look at look at Syria. Look at yep. Syria now. I mean, we have allowed this to happen for how many, two, three years now? Uh, genocide. I don't care who wants to vote on it and who don't. It's been genocide. i got videos of children being massacred. Yep. Nobody's doing it. Here, we get nine people get killed in France, the Charlie Hedbull thing, whatever it was. Those mm-hmm. that, that, Oh, my goddamn people from all, all these world leaders going to France, and they're locking arms, and they're uniting, and media's all over the place, and pictures and photo ops and all that shit, right? The next day, 300 kids get massacred in the Middle East. Nobody's changing their profile pictures. Nobody's nobody, caring. Nobody bats an eye. So what makes one region more important than the other? What makes one life more yeah. important than the other? What what justifies children being massacred? What, and, and then If Syria? that happened in the United States, right. it would be like, you know, well, you need to turn your guns in right now. Right, exactly. And know? the thing is, is that we go after and we get pissed off at Russia for going into Syria to crush these cockroach pigs of ISIS and these radicals. But aren't we now on boots on the ground in Syria? It's mm-hmm. like, how long, if you were a leader of a country, how long could you stand by and allow genocide to happen? How long could a, a leader who actually had the power yeah. to do something not do something? You know what I mean? So I don't know. It just don't make I, I, sense I, to me anymore. I, I think that we, uh, 
you know, Obama wanted to go into Syria, but it wasn't because of it wasn't because of what was going of on over not. there. They were trying they were trying to start a war and get something started. Just this look was up the, Gemini. Yeah, this was the uh, this was the result of mm-hmm. our, of our policy that had gone on since. Um, Is that how we liberate a country? Yeah, just since, like we liberated Iraq. In Benghazi, that was all. In Benghazi, it was all part of. It was a part of the whole thing because we were sending weapons through Benghazi. That's right. In Syria, that's right. Absolutely. Well, you guys talked with Scott Bennett. You guys got the the wheeling on that. So, but um, we talked to Scott Bennett for a little while till something cut us off. It seems he seems to have that problem. He seems to have that problem. He seems to have that problem. (laughs) It's like, hey, bro, you still there? Hello, (laughs) hello. Oh well. It, 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 I'm like, it, it almost wiped out uh, Rob's uh, yeah. Rob's laptop. My computer rebooted. It started up. It asked me which language I wanted to. I yeah. Like, oh. um, you know, I, my hands off. People like that should be considered heroic. People like, yeah. uh, you know, even even what's his name? Um, the, the other whistleblower. Uh, you know, the, these guys, they have morals. Well, there's several of them now. You know, the thing is, is that yeah. they're watching this corruption. They know that. Talk these, about Snowden. Snowden. Yeah. You know, they, they know that these federal organizations are going beyond the reach of what their duties are. And what happens is these people, their conscience kicks in, their morals kick in, and they know it's not right, and they can't do it. And we want to imprison them, and that we should be saying, that was bravery. Scott Bennett, man, he's puts a lot on the line talking about that stuff that he talks about, you know, because yeah. Yeah, he's he really calling does. it out. So. He really does. It, and just the, the, the experiences that he has had. I yeah, mean, he's already just, been put through the ringer, too. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And you can tell, like, they do not like this guy. Right, right. It's, do, it's, it's do unfortunate. Not. Let's talk a little bit about your presentation yesterday. That yeah, was, which uh, one? Because I had like five different ones. I changed my mind a few different times. There. <laughs> a thousand times. But you know, I do that all the time. Every time I go to these places, I always believe I'm confident with how I'm going to start, what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it. Yeah. And shit, you not right there, right at the very end there. Is, I was just like, you know what? Just go with it. One of those things. And I went with it. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a story. And I think with the people here at this symposium, what they're here for. I wanted to bring some of, to me, you know, the real life element because we're studying history, right? But I wanted to bring it kind of to modern day and still keep that paranormal twist to it. And I thought that was relevant for this event. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a very powerful story on how you actually got into the paranormal, right. Right. which I know that that's not your main focus anymore, but you still, you know, you still like very to much interested. go out and do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, here's the thing is, is um, everybody has their reasons why they get into it. Uh, some people just want to get into it because they see it on TV and they think it's cool. They want the experience. Uh, a lot of people, as much as they want a minute, they're afraid of death. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're out to convince themselves that when they die, they're not going to be completely dead. And I always tell people, if you're so afraid of death, then make sure you live. You know, because we'll never know when we die. Then if, if it's real or not, we'll never know. We'll just be dead, you know? Yeah. Um, so instead of going your entire life worrying about death, make sure that you're worried about life and... Uh, you know, before I got into the paranormal, but did you want me to go here real quick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm sure we've talked off the air, but you know, I used to, I used to literally be involved in like one of the biggest criminal organizations in the country. And when you choose that, and I, let me repeat that word again. When you choose that lifestyle, right? there's a lot of consequences that come with those lifestyles. As much as we want to blame God, as much as we want to blame society, as much as we want to blame schools, our parents, everybody else, uh, we never look in the mirror and say, you failed you. We never look in the mirror and look at ourselves and say, you need to accept responsibility for the stupid shit you did. 
Right. And so with those actions and, and with those choices in life, there's consequences. You lose people. People die all these different ways. I had family that died of the mafia. And, and um, I wanted to know that they just weren't dead because there's a lot of part of it where I felt responsible for their death, whether it be drugs or violence or whatever it may be, suicide. And um, that's exactly why I needed to have a paranormal experience. It's selfish indeed, absolutely. But I needed to have an experience to make sure that the people I loved, respected, called a brother, were friends, whatever it may be, I needed to know that they just weren't dead, you know, and whether it was to make me feel better about it or to reassure me and other people that they were still with us somehow, uh, that's why. But that was just the beginning of a very, very long journey. So, because you learn a lot. Here, here, bottom line, if you're in the paranormal field and your work and research in the paranormal field does not make you live a better life, then get out of it because you're in, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Because the lessons are there if we're willing to uh, uh, digest them, if we're willing I to see them. I thought it was them. to get a TV show. To some. <laughs> I would like to get cool T-shirts. You know what I mean? I would sure. like to get cool T-shirts. But <laughs> um, yeah, you know, yeah, there is a sense of adrenaline when you go to some of these places. and um, But we learn. We will have that experience that we realize that it's so much more than we could even fathom, that we could put our mind to. Uh, some people have such arrogance when they do it. They have an experience. Did you touch my butt? I did. You know, it's got sharp edges to it, and it's honed and finely muscular. I just trimmed, and it's grown back a little bit. And, that know, might be the edges. And I'm just saying, it's not, a, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's not like a gay way. It's not even like a prison stockade way. It's just like an appreciation of fun... <laughs> Fine human architecture. You got that? But you squeezed. I just wanted to see how hard it was. You didn't rub. You squeezed. I wanted to see how hard it was. We're talking about my butt still, right? Yeah, muscles. 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 <laughs> and you know, you've got you've got the butt structure of a man who That's does true. like a hundred squats every hour. I'm gonna have to agree with that. I am. I'm gonna have to. Agree. In fact, that again just made my nipples hard. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you. Hey, your nipples have gotten hard two times in this interview. Don't, don't cut anything with those, Rocky. Hey, Scotty. Scotty. You had to say my name, didn't wink, you? Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Scotty Roberts, everybody. He'll be joining us later. Maybe. Yeah, he's in trouble now. He just got mean mugged by like 14 dudes. If he's not the... <laughs> if we don't... He's like, yo, yo, does Scotty just touch his freaking butt or what? <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, he's a good deal, man. I, I got to tell you about this event. Yeah, as stressful as it may be, and with the circumstances, and you know, for him having to kind of put it back together, it, it, I'm really happy. I, you know, meeting Richard Dolan, uh, meeting Scott Walter. I played yeah. football with the freaking guy. You know what I mean? I, you I thought, played football with him. I played semi-pro football with him, and really? I knew. You know what? When I was playing football. I knew I worked with a guy who did that kind of research. I've seen him on the news. I knew his name was Scott. We used to call him Grandpa. And Scott pulls up today. First time I physically met him as Scott Walter without not knowing. I'm like, did you play football? He's like, well, yeah. I'm like, no, did you play semi-pro football for the Minneapolis Lumberjacks? He's like, yeah. Boom, I play football. It was the coolest freaking thing, man. I was just like, you got to be kidding wow. me, dude. Yeah, so we play football together. Look, that's cool. That's a cool ass yeah. coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then one of the guys we played with is in prison now. We were talking about that. Uh, shot his boss in the face twice. And it's deep. You know, it sounds ruthless, but there's a story behind it. And uh, But that's what we were talking about outside there. But, Happy uh, stuff. 
You know, that's not that. I thought it would motivate yeah. you guys a little bit and talk about that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, shooting bosses in faces could be motivating to some people. It you know? Be, it gets a little motivation. And, uh, <laughs> uh, never mind. Well, we were talking about your first paranormal experience. My first paranormal experience <clears throat> was, um, I was at an old farmhouse and, you know, I was doing these things. I'm kind of against going to cemeteries now because I've learned this yeah. whole respect thing and, and this is where people are laid to rest and, uh, you know, if I walk through a cemetery, I'm not going there to do paranormal stuff. I'm going there just to digest and think. Because if you go to a cemetery and you question how many people are buried that have put all their dreams aside because of fear of opinions or they didn't believe in themselves enough or they were broken psychologically or they died not telling the people they loved they loved. And I do that. I go to these cemeteries and I'll just sit because it's the wealthiest place in the in the world, you know. And um, like you guys, how many people want to do what you guys do? But don't because they're afraid. Yeah. Or they come up with an excuse. I, I know the feeling because I, yeah. I, I wanted to do this for so long, but I held back because right. I just kept making excuses. And eventually, right. 2012, I decided, well, I'm just going to do it. You got to. You yeah. know, what's the worst that can happen? Right. You exactly. know what I mean? What's the worst that can happen? We didn't sound the best at that point, but oh until this guy came along right I here, deleted but. my first six months of shows I've ever did. <laughs> I deleted it. I'm like, I hate you. Whoever I'm listening to right now, I hate you. No, but I was at this whole farmhouse really quick, and, and um, this was the first time I got to go with the group to like a professional investigation, you know, where they talk to flashlights and shit. Um, <laughs> I hate flashlights. Um, but no, the closet door, how much time we got? We got plenty of time. See, so you're stressing me out Let, when you keep looking at Let's do at least about 15 more minutes. All right. so. so when I was in this farmhouse and listening to the stories, we are just getting there. We are just bringing the equipment in. <laughs> the door flew open. The closet door in the living room flew open. And that was the first time where I could say, you know, the scared stiff. That's what happened. I, I don't care what I saw come out of that closet. I was hoping even an elephant would have came out of that closet. I needed something. <laughs> my brain needed it. My something brain, tangible. My, yeah, yeah, my rational thought needed something to come out that made that happen. It's like something fell in there or whatever. It was empty. The closet was empty. So it was like somebody was inside the closet and kicked the bottom of the door because when it opened, it was it was violently shaking. You know what I mean? I, I honestly, probably for about 30 seconds, I could not move. Because I just, what did that? Yeah. It wasn't just, it's a little open. That thing was boom. You know and what I mean? you're standing there in shock. Shock, basically. yeah. That's yeah. the best way to put it. It was shock. Right. It was um, trying to move your legs and you couldn't. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and that's kind of when the journey began. And, you know, the thing is, guys, and you know this, when you jump into that jungle, you end up with more questions than answers. Why is this? Why that? Or why this? Um, I form my own beliefs from my own experiences, not from the public opinions. But there again, there's if we just go to locations and we walk around with things that blink lights, but we're not understanding spirituality, mm -hmm. we're not understanding religion, we're not understanding indigenous beliefs, we're not understanding Buddhism, we're not... A, why do people believe why they believe? Is right. it a propaganda? Is religion a propaganda? Is it just a way to control the masses of people? Um, those are the questions we need to ask. You know, that's Jeff. He was looking at my butt earlier, by the way. Yeah. yeah. So they're all and I got well. You know, it's sexy. Yeah. I gotta say that it's sexy. It's sexy, and and I feel really uncomfortable saying that with two Billy Ray Cyruses looking at me at the same time. <laughs> Here. Here, 
A taste of your own friggin' medicine. Now you yeah, guys, yes, <laughs> no, he's looking at you now. How do you know? See, now you know how I feel there, bro. <laughs> so, but you know, it's a greater understanding. And now I believe it was all part the paranormal thing, which I thought was the conclusion, yeah. was just the lighting of the wick. It was just the beginning of this journey. And so what I did is I, I formulated all my life experiences and, you know, understanding the process of the human thought and how we literally, by how we choose to think about anything, is what sculpts our reality. You want to be negative, you want to be an asshole, whatever it may be, you are creating, and then you are affecting the people environmentally around you with that frequency. And some people will call that woo, but that can be scientifically proven. But then when you start studying the power of the mind, and then you start studying, you know, like conspiracy stuff, you start studying yeah. social engineering, and you start studying the psychology and pharmaceuticals, and, um, you know, it's it's not the reality we thought it was. And so what I try to teach people, the best, the best analogy I can give is... You well, I don't know if you guys remember when Nintendo first came out. Now I'm a little more old schooler, but do you remember when Nintendo oh, yeah. came out? Absolutely. Super why are you laughing at me, bro? You trying to say I'm old? You're, <laughs> You're only a couple of years older than me, man. All right, all right. So you do you could have just said, Yes, Rocky, I understand when Nintendo came out, brother. You're looking at me with this grin like you old son of a bitch. <laughs> but think about it. So how many times did you see people start playing the game, give up right away? They made it through the like board one dash two or one dash right, three right, or whatever right. it was. They gave up. Right, But then you have those people that were obsessed. They were obsessed with the game, and they sat there for 30 freaking hours without sleeping, drinking uh, a Volt. Remember back in those days, Volt? Adam, you remember? Yeah, Don't remember look that. at me like that. I remember that. <laughs> and um, That's and, and they, they, they continued to play it until they won the game. And to them, that was it. That was the conclusion. They beat the game. But look at that drive. Imagine if we had that drive in life, the same drive we had to beat that game but the problem is is that even when we do succeed and when we get to that point we're forgetting every time it took us to fail to get to that point yeah so we conclude it we won but we're forgetting about the whole journey there you know how many times did we get killed in that game how many times did a fireball kick our ass in that game but it's if a you very can, good analogy you know what life. i mean so if you think about it like that and think about that that's the determination you need and we got to stop the excuses because we formulate excuses why we can't do things or we're afraid of what people are going to think. I think shows like this, the topics we talk about, takes more bravery because we know there's going to be ridicule. We know there's going to be judgment. We know that people are going to talk and whisper behind the back. Um, it takes more bravery to do this than to do nothing at all. And no, you guys remember Luke took a little shit because he said redneck? Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. So listen <laughs> we, to this. We got, we got that. Uh, we got that email that said that. Yeah. So I hope I hope that individual is listening. I, I hope that individual is listening to this program because listen to this. Look up the coal miner revolution. Look that up and do some research on that because I believe that was the early 1900s. This is when the coal mining industry, the owners of these companies, were brutally working the employees like slaves, their children, and everything. Uh, so these coal miners, they formulated this little tent camp is where they lived. They couldn't afford to live in their homes anymore. They're, they're working in coal mines with their children, and they're dying in there. They're breathing in this coal dust. I mean, it was just brutal, brutal stuff. And the owners didn't do nothing about it, right? So there was, uh, was it, there was a private militia that came and opened fire in all these tents. A bunch of women and children got killed in this. Right. So the coal miners revolted. And what, what did they do to identify each other? 
they wore a red bandana around their neck. And that mm. is where the term that's redneck the term came from. from. Well, so when you say redneck, that's not necessarily a derogatory term unless you're small-minded enough to look at it as that. But yeah. to be called a redneck is a very honorable and brave thing. And so Fugazi to that whole subject matter. You know, <laughs> people don't know. People think a redneck is somebody who lives up in the mountains. And I, I think, Rocky, that people would just get caught up. They get caught we, we up in these little... Right. And they, they get caught up in these little cause mm-hmm. causes that they that they get into it's like you know we had the uh, somebody email about luke you know saying that he liked fat women and he, he said really, he liked them what's wrong with he, liking them yeah he said he liked them and then we, we get oh. this email about how we're <laughs> and he even phrased how, it how, eloquently he said yeah. i like my women a little bit larger yeah but they heard it as fat and, and, they, and they and they and they said that we were insulting fat women obese women larger women i don't know you know, whatever the term is now that we have to use, we have to lo- watch what we say all the time. So but, what do you call somebody who is fat? I don't know. <laughs> I'm so confused. Is there a it. politically correct? <laughs> you know what? F, F, political correctness. You know what? Yeah. I, this, is, this is the part. And you obviously know I don't hold back on my shows about the language I use. Right. If you're offended, good. Go stick your head in your little pillow. Go open, go open that window so you get a little cooler that comes in the room to cool you off and scream into that pillow because I really don't give a rat's ass about your little offended ass about what I have to say or anybody else has to say. And if you're going to sit here and your whole life is dictated by what other people say, then that's on them. Well, I'm going to say this. You know, we have um, on my show, mm-hmm. we have many different points of view. Sure do. You know. And that's a great dynamic I'm, about I'm, your show. I'm a Christian guy. Right. I have a very strict belief on what I believe right. in. But I don't let that dictate what someone else can talk about right. on my show. Right. I don't sit here and I'm not going to sit here and argue with that person if I essentially disagree with them because I want their voice to be Absolutely. heard. Absolutely. But see, and we're losing that mentality these yeah. days. It's it's uh, and what's causing that? Well, you know what? That's the thing is that what's causing that to where there's people that will go on Facebook and sit here and report everything on Facebook or this picture is offensive and this picture is offensive. Yeah. What have we become to where? Well, here's the problem is that these people are so caught up in their own personal battles, they unleash it on the world instead of looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, I failed you and I need to really fix you because you are effed up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We need to change the way we think about it. It's all perception. It's all how we choose to see things. Well, absolutely. The only difference between something being offensive to one person and something being the same thing being funny to somebody else right. is the level of safety the person viewing it feels. Safety. And that's a, that's a psychological, that's right. just how humor works. So are we teaching that our safe space takes priority over <laughs> the rest of the world? Yeah. I think so. Is I, that going to help us in the future? I mean, I'm being serious. I mean, the whole safe space thing? Okay, I, could, I, guess, I guess I got one because like John, he got too close to me yesterday. I wanted to punch him. Okay, so I guess I do have a safe <laughs> space. But verbally, I don't. No. Verbally, I don't. I don't care what kind of language you use. I swear all the time. I think it feels great. Um, but I respect women. I respect the elders. I try to watch my language there. Uh, hey, you know what? If you have a twisted sixth sense of humor and you want to talk the way you want to talk, I'll probably find it funny. I don't sit here and allow my emotions to be dictated, though, by sounds that come out of a person's mouth. Right. Well, and my point is, at the end of the day, it is harmless. It is harmless. The words you absolutely. choose, how you choose to phrase something, absolutely harmless. It's, and how, it's descriptive. And how you choose to take it. Remember when a few months ago... When I think it was somewhere in Georgia, I think Emory, Emory University, 
and they spray painted um, Trump chalk on the yeah, sidewalk. And then, yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was chalk. So now you spray paint something that can come off easily. People and needed people were counseling, just, and they were needed counseling. They brought in extra counselors for people, dude. I mean, that's unbelievable. But see, we're we're accepting we're we're accepting this and making this okay, and we're encouraging it, and we're we're energizing it, and we're adding fuel to that fire. Our universities are doing it, and I mean, this is the part that scares me: is that this is what we're doing to our kids. And let's talk about the bathrooms real quick. I mean, we're this whole bathroom thing. It's not just the bathrooms; it's locker rooms, whatever it may be. It's if a guy wants to go to the YMCA and feel like a woman, he can go into the woman's locker room at the YMCA and take a shower next to a four-year-old girl. It's not just bathrooms. But, you know, we bring this to surface, and we make this a national effing debate over bathrooms. Yeah. Our federal government is threatening to withhold billions of dollars of funding over bathrooms and locker rooms. We're doing these tour- what are What are the third graders and the fourth graders and the second graders, what are they witnessing right now? What are they witnessing what are they going to develop into when they are so confused because they're being taught that even though you have a penis, you may be a girl. Don't know yet for sure, but you just want to take that into consideration. When we teach this, people start questioning it enough. When you say something enough, people start believing it. What are we trying to do to our youth? What are we trying to do to these kids in the universities? I mean, am I, maybe I'm just old school. I think there's some. You know, deep, I think there's some deeper things here. It's a much can, bigger thing we can cover at, at, at this very moment, and it's a, it's it's like I think that there is definitely this idea of let's take out as much as what makes us human right. as possible. Right. The one, what right. makes it what gives us a structure as possible. This stuff is not. It's not something that we came up with. It's just nature, and it's our nature, and it's how we are. You know what I think we're turning into. The Hunger Games. Yeah. And I'm talking uh, from a society level. You know how they had the different regions or whatever? Right. Mm-hmm. But then when they got closer in the city, did you see how the people dressed? And, and yeah. you couldn't tell if one was a man or a woman. And there were some were cats and some were animals and some were giraffes. And, it, you know, I was joking about it a few weeks ago. And then I thought about it. I'm like, you know, that's not really that far off. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, were these younger kids, are they're having these... I don't know what's going. They're like trans this or it's one day they're a boy, one day they're a girl. There's all this confusion, and they got technical, scientific terms for it uh, because there's always a psychological support when it comes to conditions, mental conditions, because there's always a medicine to fix it, anyways. But uh, think about it. I, I mean, my God, I think about what we're going to be in another twenty years if we continue about this route. I'm thinking about being a cat. I don't know about you guys, but I'm thinking if I need to abide by the system, I'm going to be a cat. Like a sloth would, that be, would good be pretty for me. cool. I mean, that would be pretty cool. And you just lay around all day and kind of walk slow. Yeah, and it is. I mean, it, 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 I have my own thoughts about that. We we Luke, covered. Luke's, Luke's over there thinking about what he would be. Yeah, <laughs> he was so a deep thought. <laughs> Luke was like. <clears throat> I would hey, be a Rob. Uh, Rob. Rob, I'm sorry. Oh, what an insult. <laughs> tell, you, tell you what, I'm not going to be as Luke. That's what an insult. <laughs> oh, he's calling me right now, too. <laughs> Answer the phone and put it up to the microphone. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Luke calling from somewhere. Hey, Luke, how you doing, brother? Hey, Luke. Hey, you there? Yeah, yeah, we're here. Can you hear us? He can't this hear us. Yeah, this is Tyrone. How you doing, brother? <laughs> oh, oh, Rocky. Yeah, you're sounding all muffled. I was like, that didn't sound 
sound weird, man. No, that's all right. Um, <laughs> Rob and Adam are spooning right now, and, and uh, I don't want to interrupt them. <laughs> we're in the omnisex bathroom at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're we're on air too, Luke. Yeah, we're recording, so we thought we'd bring in on the conversation. So tell us, how's your day going, Luke? <laughs> Awesome. I'm, I'm kind of pissed off because I'm such a slow reader. I only made it through just like one wing of the museum. <laughs> you read? <laughs> I don't. I, I just look at pictures when I go to places like that. I ain't got time to read, man. <laughs> hey, Luke. So, so let me let, let, let me ask you a question. So, if we became the Hunger Games, and you know how in the Hunger Games everybody was like a cat or an animal or they were just weird people, if you had to dress as an animal, what animal would you be? That's deep, uh, that's some deep stuff, isn't it? Adam said he would be a sloth. Rob is still thinking about it. This is yeah, it's a big decision. I don't want to. It is a big decision. I, I would be a woodpecker. <laughs> Adam, Adam would be a sloth because then he wouldn't have to do nothing. <laughs> so what would you be, brother? Ah, uh, uh, man. I guess just like a domestic dog. <laughs> he said he would be a domestic dog. <laughs> he followed up with that laugh. There it is again. <laughs> you said he would have a collar on him. Outstanding. <laughs> All right, so are you on your way back, brother? Uh, well, that depends on how much Uber ride is. I walked here seven miles, so I didn't have to pay it, and my legs are kind of sore. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely thinking about paying a little bit of money to get back. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up here in about five minutes. So do you want to call back? Uh, yeah. All right. Hey, um, Rob and Adam both said that they love you. All right. All right. <laughs> That's a little bit of fun, bro. Right. Sorry about that. I know problem. That was great. That was excellent. All right. Well, Rocky, it's been it's been awesome, man. As always, I'm glad you guys made some... it up, man. You know, oh, yeah. me that, too. That's the thing is that we meet all these people through you know interviews and and all this other stuff, and to actually to bring people here, man, it was, it's it's been cool. It's been really really cool. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we've really enjoyed like finally getting to meet you in person. We've talked so much on the phone. I'm a lot so more sexier in person, though, ain't I? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <Less> <laughs> <more sexier. laughs> I got moobs. I got moobs, and I'm squeezing them right now. <laughs> well, Rocky, tell everybody where they can hear the show. Just and, go to RockyStucci.com. It's R-O-C-C-I-S-T-U-C-C-I.com. All the information to listen to the shows are right there. If you're easily offended, I would recommend to either take medication before you listen or don't listen. That's all I got to say. <laughs> so, But you can catch Conspiracy Normal on IPBN-FM.com as well as StreamingTalkRadio.com. If you go to the IPBN Facebook page, we actually have a streamer that is right on that page. You can listen right through Facebook oh, now, sweet. which is pretty cool stuff. Very sweet. Uh, but yeah. yeah. You're the man as far as all that is concerned. And you know, Roku. All, all that stuff. The next few weeks, we, you guys can hear Conspiracy Normal and Roku as well. We'll keep you updated. I wanted to tell you too, Rocky, thank you so much for your support of oh, us. Yeah, brother. You man, guys absolutely. do a great job. You've you guys got really a great awesome. dynamic, man. We've been really awesome to us. You guys are really, going places, Really man. good friend. Excellent and, show, man. Yep. Excellent show. So. Thank you, sir. And thank you for having Billy Ray Sires with me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Uh, guys, we'll be back with another guest soon. Okay, and we are here. It's a late Saturday afternoon. Progressing nicely. Yes, absolutely. We've gotten about like what three hours of interviews so far. Yeah, we're we're 
<laughs> it's going to get us through the summer. Yeah, probably. It's our stockpile. <laughs> well, we have with us Dr. Rita Louise, and we have just met. I've been familiar with you, Dr. Louise, for a, for a little while, um, kind of tangentially, but uh, very cool coincidence, you are on uh, Deprogrammed Radio, as it we is. are as well. It is. So you had a very fascinating um, presentation that was on Thursday. And this was some stuff that uh, I found extremely interesting about your book about genetic engineering in the past. But I want to talk about kind of your, before we get to that, your background and, uh, and the, who you are but what, uh, what you, and what you do. Well, I mean, I have a very, you know, in my world... I don't have that diverse of a background, but then when people ask me what I do, they're like, how do you do everything? I'm like, no, I don't do windows, but anything else. There you go. Um, And so, you know, without giving the whole pre-story, I mean, I came up through the world of metaphysics. I mean, I worked in actually manufacturing. I was a drafter for the military establishment and a designer, worked for companies like FMC, and I worked at companies that made missile equipment for Lockheed and whatever, and studied uh, to become a psychic at the Berkeley Psychic Institute. And when I finished their program, I moved to Washington State, stopped working a regular day job, and started working as a psychic because this was something I had been interested in since I was a little, little, little kid. And, um, you know, and so explored that world, was always interested in it, had been studying it for, for years. And, you know, so when you talk to people, you know, a lot of uh, authors have day jobs, you know, there's their day job and then they write and they speak at conferences and on the radio. And so my day job is I work as a medical intuitive. I do intuitive health counseling with people. I have a, I'm a naturopath, which is a holistic physician and have a PhD in natural health counseling, which a focus on how our thoughts and emotions impact our health. So that's kind of the world I came up through. and um, But back with my interest in the whole psychic phenomena, my earlier interest was archaeology and anthropology. And by the time I was 12, I had worked my way through the entire archaeology and anthropology section of the library and thought it would be so cool to go to the La Brea Tar Pits, thinking it was out somewhere in the middle of nothing, only to find out it was right next door to the Museum of Modern Art in downtown Los Angeles. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But I was so excited when I got to go there. Well, (laughs) I want to ask you this. You said something very intriguing. You said that you went to school to learn how to be a psychic. Mm -hmm. I've been under the impression that, you know, usually people that are psychic are born that that way. Were you born that way with an ability and you honed it? Or were you not and you just achieve that ability by learning how to do it. I believe that everyone has psychic abilities and what they taught at Berkeley. And I have a training program at the Institute of Applied Energetics. And I put this out right up front. I believe that everyone has psychic abilities. And what I'm doing is creating scenarios for you to explore your own gifts. So like me, I feel like I'm like a psychic as a rock. I mean, I might be able to like, Say like, okay, somebody might walk through the door and that a person actually does. That's about the extent of my psychic ability. But that ability. is psychic. Or you go into a, I mean, have you ever done any ghost hunting or anything? Uh, yeah, I have. 
So have you ever gone into a building and just like totally creeps you out? Oh, yeah. Psychic. I mean, there are different ways that we receive. As human beings, we're, we're designed to send, receive, and assimilate or process information from the world around us. So it's kind of like our, a television set. So there's the broadcasting station, and then there's our television. You know, So right. it sends this invisible message through the air, and we receive it. Mm-hmm. Well, as human beings, and so we're designed to do that. We receive input from everything around us. Okay, but as human beings, we also have a broadcasting mechanism within ourselves that we can send information out and other people have that opportunity to pick it up as well. And so I just teach people how to recognize that when you feel the vibes in the room or when you're thinking about Sally and Sally calls you up or walks in the room, it's not a coincidence. You are having a psychic moment at that time. Wow. It's it's really that simple. And without having to even go to school, once you realize that starting to pay attention, one of the things that was the most critical at Berkeley Psychic Institute was you got validation. You would do all of these readings and you're talking about something. I mean, sometimes you talk to people about stuff that makes absolutely no sense to you. And you'll, I'll be like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, God, I wonder what the heck this is about. Hmm. And But the whole time you're talking, the person you're talking to is going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, for the listeners, I'm nodding my head in agreement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, but that's the feedback. That's the validation that says, okay, so I'm talking about something that makes absolutely no sense, but they get it. You know, that was part of their life. Yeah, I just, that, that was very interesting. So you can go and you, like, you take classes and, like, you kind of hone these abilities mm-hmm. to, a, to a certain fine point. Well, I mean, I think, like anything, you know, some people are good at dancing and other yeah. people not so much. And if you go to a dance school and you're good at dancing, you become even better. Practice yeah. <laughs> makes perfect. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And really, that's what it was about. There wasn't all that much book learning. You yeah. know, there wasn't much brain food. They just basically stuck you in a room with a bunch of other psychics and said, here, do a reading. Here, go to this psychic fair and do readings. I mean, that was, it was all hands on. And then they tell you if you're correct or if you're right on. And that, in, It was in that with kind of completely way. strangers. I mean, literally, you would just go and do readings like I'm doing readings here today. Yeah. People would just come up, sit down, you would do a reading, and they'd walk off. So there was no correct or not correct. And you also read tarot cards as well. Well, I mean, that's just part of the yeah. the ensemble. <laughs> Some people think that uh, tarot is, is all psychological. What's your viewpoint on it? I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't read traditional tarot cards. I read cards. Um, For me, I mean, so the spread that I use, um, I parallels the chakras in the body. Okay. I mean, one of the things about tarot cards is that there's always a meaning to where the card is placed, you know, past, present, and future. This, this location here is the basis of the situation. This card, this location over here is the outcome. So now you've just asked a question, well, what's the outcome of this event? You know, what's the basis of the event? What happened in the past around this event? And working with psychic stuff, it's really about if you ask a question, you'll get an answer. 
And so a lot of it is about forming the question. It's not about getting the answer. It's about forming the right question to get the right answer. And so people might ask me some miscellaneous question, and I have to take what they say and go, okay, so what are they really meaning? And then I'll give them an answer, but then a question for me will come up, and that will just be like the next phase, the next phase. Well, wait a minute. Okay, blah, 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 because mm-hmm. I've just gotten another insight, not necessarily the answer, but the next question. Right. So. I've had my tarot read before, and it's, um, it is very uncanny, just how much it really makes you, you see things that are going on in your life, and it's being interpreted in these, in these cards. It's a very, it's a very strange feeling for mm-hmm. me, especially someone that's not a, a lot of experience with it. Well, you know, but it depends on how the person reads. Yeah. So I am an intuitive reader. And so I don't really, from a technical point of view, I don't know what those cards mean. Okay, so I have read tarot cards. Gotcha. Um, but there, there are two different kinds of readers, especially with tarot. There are people that take the book and they memorize it, and you flip the cards over and they basically regurgitate it. And those readings, sometimes they hit, sometimes not so much. And then there are people that are more intuitive readers. Like I had a girlfriend uh, Judith, who would use th- what was in the book, but then she would put her intuitive spin on it. She was very good, you know, but that's where you get that much more personal what's going on with me, which is why I like those cards because I don't know what they mean. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of like look at the pictures and whatever the picture evokes in me as a feeling You use it as a trigger. Yeah. Essentially. I mean, I was trained at at the Berkeley Psychic Institute. They train you to do aura readings, past life readings. Uh, Cards are not part of the training. I just picked up using the cards because I use them for doing like an aura reading, but I can knock one out. A traditional full-blown aura reading can take an hour to two hours. Well, I can't do that in 15 minutes. But with that, I can kind of get an image of this is what's going on in your energy space, and I can kind of summarize stuff. Gotcha. Let's turn to archaeology okay. and your interest in that. Yeah. Uh, this the, here we go with the good stuff. I just wanted to get a basic kind of feeling for for, for what it is that you do with the the psychic readings and the and the, are you ask, uh, do you uh, do mediumship as well? I, I don't. I mean, you know, I was part of a ghost hunting group and yeah. I do uh, spirit release work with people because people find me because they have entities. Which, you know, eh. uh, <laughs> 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 um, but I, I don't want to say I'm afraid of ghosts, but I'm kind of afraid of ghosts, even though I do ghost hunting and I do entity release work. And yeah. my, I have a fear that if I open myself up to bringing spirits through in the way that a medium does, that they're going to come to my house. And I'm sorry, I just don't want them in my house. I have a rule. No yeah, spooks. I don't, no, yeah, uh, no yeah. spooks. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you on that as well. <laughs> you know, but I do a lot of health work. Yeah. You know, so some people talk to dead people. I talk to you about your health concerns, you know. Right. Okay, so they want to take your gallbladder out. It's like, wait, there's not anything wrong with it. But your liver is congested, you know. So here's what you can do to declutter your litter. Medical, liver. medical intuitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So you have two books about the subject, I believe, of, of archaeology. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those is man. As um, well, actually, those two books, man-made. They're the same book. Oh, okay. It's this. Okay, so the original title of the book was "Man-Made: oh, okay. The Chronicles of Our Extraterrestrial Gods." Gotcha. Which comes, you know, it's available on my website, and it comes complete with the original cover and the spelling mistakes. <laughs> which makes it special. Uh, it's kind of my where's Wal- where's Waldo book. Yeah. And then there's ET Chronicles, which is the version that's available on Amazon. It was picked up by a publisher and they changed the title and the cover. So it does create a little bit of confusion. Okay. So there's that book, but I also have my DVD, which is Icon Deconstructing the Archetypes of the Ancients. So that's actually a archaeology-ish so are you a proponent of the ancient aliens theory well when uh we went to start writing that book we were and i'm talking my my husband and i we were pretty open to it could be an ancient civilization i mean we believe that there was truth to the myths okay because that's what this book looks at is the mythological record and then throw science in to support the mythological record, but that's the driving force through the entire thing. And so we were open to, there was a pre-existing civilization, advanced pre-existing civilization, or it could be aliens, didn't know. But after researching it, there was no way to support a pre-existing civilization. And so right up front, it's kind of like, well, you know, I, I don't want to say Italians. <laughs> this is the Giorgio Sucolos meme here. Yeah. Um, but but also in the kind of the beginning of the book, one of the things that I had to bring up was outside of the Judeo-Christian world, every other culture believes in a group of sky gods in Australia. I was corrected. They are sky heroes. Okay. Um, you know, they have the Vimana in India. They have the flying shields in Native American culture. They have a very rich tradition of interaction and stories about these extraterrestrial gods. And it's only in the Judeo-Christian tradition that we have been brainwashed into believing there's one God and it's something different than anybody else on the earth believes. So what were some of the what are some of the genetic the proofs of genetic of engineering in the past that we're talking distant past. Well, and I don't have because some things I just can't remember exactly what the genetic code is, but, but some of them I do. So for example, um, one of the things was the Fox P2 gene, which is um, tied with our ability to use vocabulary to speak And so there were no changes in that gene for like 70 million years. But then in the last 200,000 years, there were three changes. And two of those changes occurred just in the human lineage. Hmm. You know, what I found interesting with that is, and it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. Do we find these major changes in genetic structure and the change in genetic structure took us to the next iteration of humanity, or did humanity advance that allowed the genes to change? In the human record, it's a little bit, you know, you get into a little bit of a conundrum that way. Yeah. Where I found it stark, and 
much more compelling was in the agricultural record because scientists today can't figure out how some of the things that have happened. I mean, we have uh, evidence of hybrid wheat. Yeah, and that was the most fascinating. That part was to the me most fascinating in, the, in part. the presentation. I was just like that. I, I think I, I think I told you that I had heard that somewhere before, but to hear it again just kind of reiterated that just how amazing that is, and this the concept of a hybrid. You tell us about like the concept of a hybrid okay. and how that you, you you cannot have a hybrid that exists right on and reproduces, but this thing is still around. So what the, what happened about 30,000 years ago, and I'm go, actually, let me even preface this. I'll make it even more juicy. Okay. So if you go by the Sumerian Kings list, the flood happened about 35,000 years ago. And there was somebody talking here at the Paradigm Symposium about a 35,000-year-ago date, and now it's, it's eluding me what the conversation was about. But I was like, well, that could be a post-flood event. But anyway, <clears throat> and so they identify the flood as being 35,000 years ago. There are some other in, out of China and out of uh, Egypt, they suggest a date of somewhere between twenty five and 30,000 years ago for the flood. I was talking to John Ward. He goes, well, they're missing a bunch of names on the king's list of Af- in uh, Egypt. I'm like, well, if they add more names, it's just going to push that date back, mm-hmm. which would work for me completely. Yeah. But anyway, so if we use that 35,000-year date as the date of the flood, then right after that, 30,000 years ago, so we're talking right at the beginning of the creative explosion, we have the paintings in Lascaux. We have, we just learned to use the bow and arrow. We just started learning how to weave. And there are indications on some of the Venus figures that they actually wore some kind of cloth, woven cloth. You know, so we have all of these advances happening. But what happened in the case of wheat is a there's a wheat called emmer wheat that grew in the wild. And it mixed with a form of goat grass. And it created elkhorn wheat. Now, in nature... Two species that are similar can cross. So you can have um, a zebra and a horse crossbreed, but any of the byproducts is sterile. So in the case of the situation I'm talking about, we had 14 chromosomes in the acorn wheat and 14 chromosomes in the wild goat grass. And so when they crossed, we should have ended up with a 14-chromosome hybrid, not able to reproduce because it doesn't have the full genetic makeup. But what happened was somehow they don't know (laughs) yeah, because it was a miracle. Anyway, um, it (laughs) ended up with the full complement of genetic material. So instead of having 14, it had 28. Now it was able to reproduce. And made elk and corn wheat. Now that you could think, well, maybe that's kind of coincidental by itself. But then about 10,000 BC, it happened again. And this elk corn wheat mixed with a form of wild goat grass. So we have this 28 chromosome elk corn wheat mixing with a 14 chromosome 
wild goat grass <clears throat> mixes together again doesn't become a hybrid in the traditional sense, but we end up with a 42 chromosome uh, grain, which is the form of wild or of modern wheat bread that we have today. And since that point in time, 10,000 years ago, this has never occurred again. So with the Encorn wheat, there is no other form of 28 chromosome Encorn wheat that exists in nature. With the case of modern wheat bread, there is no other form of 42 chromosome domesticated wheat that exists in nature. So it happened those two times at very coincidental uh, <laughs> and useful periods of time for humanity, but that was it. Right. Yeah. And as you said, very useful and coincidental time for humanity. Because mm-hmm. right then, uh, the, the agricultural revolution mm-hmm. starts at that point. Yes. And that well, basically and starts when, civilization, essentially. But if you go with the concept that the gods taught us agriculture, it was at that point in time that the gods taught us agriculture. You know, I mean, Larry Granton in his work talks about Gobekli Tepe as being a training center and where people learn stuff. Well, where did the Fertile Crescent appear? About 30 kilometers from yeah. Gobekli Tepe. Yeah. But what's interesting is we think domestication all occurred just in um, the Middle East and agriculture. But we find that the same thing happened in China. We find the same thing happened in South America. And while those dates are a little bit behind, you know, because we have like 10,000 B.C. in the Middle East and then like 8,000, 6,000 to 8,000 in China and South America, but who, how did they just like miraculously decide, oh, we're going to just start domesticating product and then add to that. And this was, this one was my favorite, which I talked about in the presentation was about uh, the domestication of animals. And there's the whole concept of domestication of animals, but between 3000 and 4,500 BC Every animal of labor was domesticated. So we're talking cow, whore, or not cow, horse, camel, donkey, and llama. And so in every geographic region of the world, an, a pack animal was domesticated within a 1,500-year period globally. Now, that period of time also parallels when cities— and that level of civilization was moving up. And, you know, did they use these animals to transport rocks or yeah, There's whatever? a massive amount of things happening all at once. And if you look at something like the, the Book of Enoch, I mean, you, you, can, you can see the watcher angels coming down and basically teaching mankind all kinds of different mm-hmm. aspects. And one of those is farming, um, you know, metalwork, war. Those are all kinds, all kinds of things. So it, it definitely fits with those extra biblical stories and the biblical stories as well. Mm-hmm. If you look at Gobekli Tepe and where it is geographically, it's not too far from where they say Noah landed on the ark. So there's this link there to the time of the flood and what came before. Mm-hmm. Well, and in uh, Babylonian cosmology, they talk about the Onaz. You know, the Onaz were the teachers of humanity. Yeah. And that they came three times before the flood, 
and three times after the flood. And, and I believe if, that, like Laird talks about the Dogon, there's a similar uh, similar uh, figure in their the mythology Numo, as well. The yeah. Numo. Yeah. But I, I'm not sure, and I, I so I, I can't totally speak for him if he if in their cosmology that they identify how many times they came and taught humanity. But in the Babylonian sources, they say that they came six times, three times before the flood, three times after the flood. And if you look, and I'm just going to start at the flood, we have three major pops in advancement, one around that 30,000, right around that mm-hmm. <laughs> that emmer wheat, right around there. We have another pop at about 10,000 B.C., and then another pop around 5,000 B.C., and and so we have three big pops. 35,000 B.C. or 35,000 years ago would actually be the time period around the time that Cro-Magnon man would have shown up. Right. Yeah, it's exactly right. around the time. And as you yeah. made the point in your presentation, all of a sudden you've got Velasco paintings and you have art flowering and all mm-hmm. kinds of things like that. Exactly. So, very well, interesting. Well, and one of the things, you know, because I was in the book, I talk about the flood and, you know, dating the flood because there's so much contention. So there's what sources say, you know, then there's, right. and I, you know, so I just talk about it as being like blurps, blips in time. You know, this is, these are these three major blips that there is this be- new beginning. Um, but one of the things that I, well, you were at my presentation that I speculated on um around and there's that, nothing wrong with that word by the way um around thirty five thousand bc is also when neanderthal went bye-bye yes. and could the flood have actually decimated neanderthal it's possible mm. well, they do say we have our neanderthal in our dna well i mean because we are more like to Neanderthal than we, you know, the horses to the zebra. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Do you do any study on like cryptozoology or like uh, Bigfoot or anything like that? that in, in, no. in interest of you? I live in Texas, you know, so I have Nick Redfern, I have Ken Gearhart, yeah. Lyle Blackburn, Craig Walteater, <laughs> and there's one other guy, and they, we all live within 150 yeah. miles of each other. So it's not an area that I need to investigate in Texas because there's too many of us. Well, I just wondered, does like the concept, like the, we talk about the Neanderthal, there's the idea that Bigfoot could be a surviving Neanderthal. And that's Got it. some interesting stuff. Um, I mean, it's not my area of expertise. Um, something that I have thought and I have been very outspoken about is from the Ramayana, we have the narrative that parallels, in my mind, the biblical story of the Nephilim and the sons of God and daughters of men. Mm-hmm. And in the Ramayana story, uh, Vishnu, their chief God, tells all of the gods to come down to the earth and have relations with the apes and the bears. Now, I can see us being a relative to these apes, or if you're a god, they could look at us and go, those apes. Um but the bears, you know, that's kind of a weird one. And yeah. it makes me wonder, could that be where the Bigfoot lineage came from? Yeah, I mean, that could be a symbolic for some other form of human that was existing at the time. That was fascinating as well, because you get into the concept of the Yugas mm-hmm. and those those vast periods of time. And there was an equation 
there with, I believe, uh, the rise of Homo erectus, which have been like what a hundred million and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, one of the things that I talk about because the ET Chronicles book looks at the history of the Earth. Um, it starts with in the beginning. And it takes you through to the advent of civilization, so to about 3500 B.C. Yeah. Um, you know, people are like, well, what about humanity? And I'm like, they're like in the last two chapters of the book because the mythological record, what are considered creation myths, goes from the flood to the beginning. And that was where, that's where all the juice was. Yeah. <laughs> But my feeling is based on the narrative is that the extraterrestrials came to the earth, they terraformed the earth, and they have always been part of the change and evolution of what's been going on on this planet. Excellent. I think I want to continue this this discussion in a much larger interview. Okay. And and reading the book would probably help me on that. Okay. (laughs) We can can get into a lot more detail. But tell everybody uh, where they can get in contact, get in contact with you and also your website. Like, oh, but which one? Like 20 of them. (laughs) (laughs) So, probably the best website for people to go to is uh, readalouise.com. That's readalouise.com. And that's kind of the jumping point to all things readalouise. It will take you, you know, so if you're interested in getting a reading, it'll take you to a site where you can get a reading. If you're interested in any of the books, that's there. If you're interested in my radio show, that information is there. So that's probably the best place to send people. Absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And I hope you enjoyed staring at uh, Billy Ray Cyrus for the last three minutes. Well, you know, he. He's got the guns. <laughs> He's got the guns. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Rita. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. All right, guys, we're back. It is still Saturday, the 14th, and we have another guest here with us. Somebody that uh, I have listened to for, like, I think the last 10 years on the radio. Wow, you're the only one. (laughs) Yeah, I listened to, like, the first show, actually. The very first show, I I remember listening to it. Because, well, I'm going to introduce you first. Tim Dennis from Darkness Radio. Hi. The co-host and producer. Somebody that that actually has inspired me to... uh, Put songs on this podcast that uh, have to do with the topic. Just don't get caught if you're not paying ASCAP or BMI. <laughs> this is this is this is this is the master of uh, this is the master of the appropriate or inappropriate uh, bumper music. <laughs> that, well, yeah, that, you know what's funny actually about that topic about bumper music is I we had to when we first started as you know with the show. We had Reed Hagen was doing our position announcing, and Reed was a, a, my program director at KLBB. Yeah. So we would have bumpers coming in that were appropriate for the topic, but then at the same time, he was we had little comedic liners that we were writing for him to, to voice, and Reed has a very dry sense of humor. So he'd look at it, and he has this very deep voice, and he'd say, so how do you want me to read this again? And you, it, it was just awkward, awkward comedy. I'm a big fan of it. Um, so we had that originally, and then we went over to uh, to K Talk, and the program director goes, "I don't like these these ins and outs that you're doing." 
I'm like, why? They're funny. They, you know, it's got appropriate bumpers to it. And he goes, I don't like it. I always loved the one that was the uh, about uh, Donnie Osmond. Yeah. The, the, yep. Dave looking and seeing a shadow person. Yeah. But it was really his cardboard cutout of yep. Donnie Osmond. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we're <laughs> laughing at it. And Steve Versnick, our program director at the time, is going, I don't get it. So he says, just use regular music coming in and out. So I, I had to think to myself in that moment, okay, we're already using appropriate bumpers, but we're using the same ones and the same vignettes over and over again. Now i got to start expanding my knowledge, and I've been in radio since Moses was in short pants. So I'm, I'm thinking, I've got all these songs in my head and nothing to do with it. If there's ever a musical Jeopardy show, I'm going on it, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill. I'm going to make a million bucks at it. But uh, I started thinking, you know, I've got to put music that's not only appropriate for the topic, but what people are saying within the program, which means, don't, don't be offended by this, the producer actually has to listen to the show. Don't tell me you don't fall asleep during shows. Oh, well, no. I, yeah. <laughs> I catch the highlights. Our yeah, co-host exactly. falls asleep during the show. Well, <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I, I, I don't blame them there. Every once in a while, I like to take a short nap. It, it yeah. helps refresh. But... At, I, you know, at that point, it requires the audience to not only be engaged and involved in the show and listen, but when I play a bumper that has something to do with what, something that was said in the last segment, the light goes on. People go, oh, I get it. So now it's become a game. It's become kind of a, a cute little way of acknowledging that the audience is listening, we're listening, and we're all in on the joke. Maybe the guest isn't, but we're all in on it. And sometimes I just get really inappropriate with it. And that's actually fun. Well, one, one of the best, and we're actually going to have this guy on our show pretty soon, uh, was Jim King. He was talking about the Bigfoot, basically, for lack of a better term, having sex with horses. Oh, and you played okay. Rolling Stone's Wild Horses. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That show, and, and I know your brain is just like flying 100 miles an hour. Like, like yes, that's it. Occasionally, and Dave doesn't laugh very often at a bumper that I'll come back with. But that show, I think there were two or three bumpers I played that he just looked at me and shook his head and had this huge <laughs> smile like, I, I get it. I'm sure everybody else gets it. I hope to God the guest doesn't get what we're doing here type of, type of deal. <laughs> but it, 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 uh, it's fun to do. It's, it's something to keep you mentally engaged. It's, it's a way to flex your sense of humor without yeah. saying a word. You know, you hear a lot of artists talk about wanting to communicate a message or do comedy without having to say anything to prompt the audience. And, and people are smarter than, than a lot of programmers give them credit for. And I, that's one way of proving it. I also have to commend you for playing Joy Division's Shadow Play on, oh, on, on, the, yeah. on the show. I, I was like, yes. Tim is a Joy Division fan. That's a, perfect. A lot of people think I'm this big meathead that probably just listens to a lot of uh, metal, but I, I, or, <laughs> but I don't. My, my musical tastes are all over the board. In fact, here in Minnesota, I worked for uh, a Minnesota Broadcasting Hall of Famer, Lake Hammond. And I worked on a show called The Jazz Image from Minnesota Public Radio. I did that for two years. And in that, I got my, my jazz education because he used to hang out with Duke Ellington. I mean, yeah. nothing's cooler than a guy who used to hang out with Duke Ellington, right? So, so I get that, that educational side of it. I've, I've been all over the musical spectrum. So when somebody looks at me and goes, oh, I, I know exactly what kind of music you listen to, you have no idea. I have fingers in every musical pie. I know that doesn't sound right, and it's probably a little illicit for your <laughs> no, that's program. That's a great way to put that. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think but, Rob yeah. is the same way. I mean, he's, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and Rob, no offense, someone might look at you and go, yeah, rock, metal, yep. But your, your musical tastes and knowledge could be all over the spectrum, and the more diverse you are as a producer when it comes to bumper music or whatever, or whatever you bring to the program, the better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
exactly. Well, let's talk about the show a little bit. What's some sure. of the famous, uh, like the favorite guests that you've had on? You've oh. had on the show. I am, you know, and Dave, Dave and I will both tell you that we were fans of the early Coast to Coast with Art Bell, and Art yeah. used to come up with bizarre topics. One of my favorite Art Bell moments was the Satan hotline. If you thought you were Satan, <laughs> call this number. <laughs> and it wasn't just one or two people who called. It was 50. And it was one after another. I am the Dark Lord. And Art was like, yep, all right, sure. <laughs> and it was over and over again. And he was throwing insults at these people who thought they were Satan. And that that stuck in my head when we formed the show. Yeah. That you can cover the topic seriously, but you gotta have fun. Oh yeah. And, and oh, yeah. funny enough, when we get a crossover audience from Coast, those people sometimes don't have a sense of humor and they don't appreciate supernatural news. They're like, "Why are you joking about this? This is serious." Mm, that sounds well, familiar, Rob. Yeah. You gotta, yeah, you gotta yeah. unclench the sphincter and, and well, have a little fun. And we talk about this a lot too because we cover some pretty heavy topics. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can't handle hours and hours of that. At least I can't. Right. Without right. a little bit of lighthearted fun and you know, a little goofiness in there. Exactly. Yeah. And, and my my favorite stuff is the more lighthearted stuff or the stuff that you hear and you you know inside silently you're rolling your eyes going I know this person believes what they're talking about I really do know that they believe what they're talking about but man really you got together with Satan through the penny saver and he was your dance partner <laughs> that's one of my favorites there was a lady that oh. said that Satan lived in a trailer park yes and- he uh, he had two double wides he had them put together and he had all his girlfriends in there he's doing well he oh man himself. he was a player for sure play a full <laughs> life um, and you know and, and why not two double wides you're living large at that point right you got your you got your white trash mansion right there um, but then you know, it's stuff like that. It's it's the shows where the um, Project Serpo show made oh, me roll yeah, my eyes yeah. hard. And it, when this guy's like, oh, this information's infallible. Well, where'd yeah. you get it from? The internet. Let me explain oh, what boy. that is real quick. Sure, Project Serpo. Uh, have you heard of that, Rob? No. It's like, Joe, you ever heard of that? It, Project Serpo was this supposed... Uh, these it's kind of like the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Right. Actually, it's exactly like that. And supposedly, these guys went out, they were sent to an alien spacecraft to another planet, mm-hmm. and supposedly, uh, some of them have come back. Yeah, and I think they're talking about right. it. Yeah, it was six that went to uh, to this other dimension. Only two made it back. The other four supposedly died. The one uh, one of the two that came back died of some weird ailment, and there was only one left. And he doesn't talk. I don't know. He's deaf and mute. And I have no idea. But he doesn't talk about it. So of course, you never get an interview from anybody who's been through this. Um, and this this guy came on and said, "Well, there's CIA documents out there." Like you can't fake a CIA document. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, all of this, and he was getting adamant. All of this information is real. All of it. And then you say to him, "Well, where'd you get your information from? You know, did you go to government sources? Did you, you know, pretty much call this information from different sources? Nope. Got it all on the internet." Because we all know the internet never lies. There's no untruths right, on the internet. Right, by right. by God, every wiki page is accurate, and uh, we should just live by the internet. At that makes point, sense to me. Well, at that point, we're done. You know, uh, the other one, and now this is the one that confounds Dave and I, and that's uh, and we had him on recently within the last week or two, Andrew Bashago. Who's uh, running for yeah. president, the yeah. time traveler. Yeah. His story is so airtight, and he comes up with details. Either he's like the idiot savant of liars, like the rain man of liars, and can come up with stuff so fast that you can't possibly track it, 
or this guy really did time travel. And there's times Dave and I look at each other and go, this guy had to time travel. You just can't make up that many facts. But at some time, like, he'll start telling a story, and I was educated at such and such a place, and I was in this program with President Barack Obama, and, oh, yeah, over here there was a goat that used to spit fire. But don't mind him. Then you go over here, and he starts telling more details, but you're like, wait, goat spit and fire? on Mars. Yeah, so there's yeah. there's things that make you go, eh, maybe he's a little crazy. We had a guest like that. Yeah. And, and I enjoyed... He, he, he had lived on Mars. There was time travel there, too. There was time travel involved with that, yeah. too. Yeah. You rolled fact, the eyes pretty hard, In, in right? fact, they know each other. Oh, God. <laughs> of course they do. Of course they I do. I remember seeing him on... Uh, I think it was like the second or third season of Jesse Ventura's uh, oh, on Conspiracy TV? Theory. Yep. And uh, oh, oh, he, he's in the car with them, I guess Jesse Ventura and his son. And he says, this is the house I lived in in 1973 and 1974, but not in that order. Of all people to host a, I, yeah, of all people to host a, a conspiracy theory show, Jesse, our beloved governor who yeah. is paranoid yeah. of even the media. I actually have an interesting story about Jesse. Um, I worked with a guy by the name of Bill Werner. He's exactly three foot two and has a beard and, and glasses. And I worked with him at Minnesota News Network. Now, Jesse had pretty much shut out the local media towards the end of his governorship. He was only talking to Minnesota Public Radio and to Bill Werner. And I mean, Bill had this voice like this, and he'd walk around all day, and he covered the, the uh, House and Senate and the governorship. And he went up to Jesse, and he made national news when he went up to Jesse and asked him a question. And Jesse slapped the microphone out of his hand. And so he comes into work the next day, and I walk up to him, and I go, Superstar Bill Werner. And he goes, what? What are you talking about? And I said, uh, weren't you the one who tried to pick a fight with Jesse Ventura yesterday? I saw it on the news. And he goes, oh, yeah, he's an asshole. <laughs> and I said, well, you know what? I just made a call to Vince McMahon, and evidently you're booked for the next WrestleMania against Jesse. Congratulations. It's a cage match. Which he didn't find very funny, but uh, <laughs> but that's a you know the guy who has the thinnest skin. You're going to have him sit down and defend points of a conspiracy theory or try to yeah. seek them out. Because yeah. I tell you something, we've had Jesse on our show, and when he believes something, you can't say, "Well, Governor Ventura, have you ever thought of it this way?" No, I ain't thought of it that way. <laughs> Here's the deal, all right. Um, you know, and it's always his way or the highway. And if you don't do the, in yeah, fact, yeah. interesting fact, this is inside baseball. I know no one's listening to us right now, right? Yeah, not right now. No, okay, good. So then I can say this. Uh, I used to engineer for Ian Punnett on Coast to Coast AM for about a year. His last year, he was on the air with Coast. And I asked him about Jesse. And I said, would you have Jesse on your show, on, on your version of Coast? He said, absolutely not. George has him on from time to time. I won't have him on. And I said, well, why? And he goes, because he's thin-skinned. He doesn't listen to a damn thing I say. And uh, he, he, he just offers up his opinion, and it's not an interview. Wow. It, it's, a, it's a diatribe. So, no, yeah. I'd never have him on. I wouldn't have an intelligent conversation with him. And I went, oh. It would just be one-sided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, mind you, this is one of the first wrestlers I ever met. I was probably eight, nine years old, and he was in the AWA at the time. And I worshipped the ground he walked on. In fact... When I was that young, I saw him at the Duffy Celebrity Tournament in Ham Lake, and I went up to him and I said, Mr. Ventura, you're my hero. And he said, well, why? Why am I your hero, kid? And I said, well, because you do whatever you want, and you're, you're a bad guy, and blah, blah, blah. And he leans over to me, and he says, here's the deal. He said, uh, <laughs> you got to read your books. You got to do your math. You got to eat your vegetables. And guess what? Sometimes all bad guys aren't so bad. But shh, don't tell anybody. I was like, oh, I felt like I just learned the secret to, you know, there's no Golden Fort Knox. Evidently, Jesse's the head of the Illuminati, and I've learned everything at the age of nine. Uh, but yeah, it would, I mean, so I worshiped the ground he walked on for years. And then, yeah. 
he became governor and let me down a little. At that, that time, my innocence was broken. But eh, it is what it is. So was he a decent governor? At least? He was okay. You know, uh, what was interesting about him is he had some interesting principles. The one principle I loved was, you know what, it's not the government's money, it's tax money that was paid in by the, ta- by the people. If we have a surplus, give it back, which he did. He did that two years in a row. We had a government surplus. He gave it back to the people. Something unheard of and unprecedented in government. Yeah. He was From also an independent. Yeah, yeah and mm-hmm. he was, and he did. He was a true independent. Um, but he was also mayor of Brooklyn Park and had some weird decisions there. There was some, uh, there was some debate over a wetland. I, I know there was a developer that wanted to develop a wetland for a shopping center, and at first he's like, "I'm all for it. I don't give a crap." You know, it's business, it's commerce. And then everyone's like, wetlands, Jesse, protect the wetlands. He's like, yeah, we got to protect the ducks and crap. <laughs> so, yeah, it just, it, he waffled on some stuff. And But overall, I thought he was a decent governor. Yeah. 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 Well, here's one thing I wanted to ask you, and uh, this is uh, one of the more infamous Darkness Radio moments. Mm-hmm. And that is the, what's the guy's name? Ed? Ed Azoski. Ed Azoski. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the whole, it's my baby. Save it. This is my baby, my save, baby it, save it fiasco. Yeah. Yeah. This is one that, as an audio engineer, that was that, that you shined in that moment. Well, you know, and it was a team effort. It, 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 totally yeah. a team effort. Dave and I have Ed on, and of course, Ed has these credentials. You know, he's he's uh, accomplished from the Rhine Institute. He's studied uh, paranormal as much as you can study the paranormal at any institution. He's a guy who supposedly is well-versed, well-schooled, been in the paranormal for a long time. So we bring him on as an expert, and we start asking him some questions. This is why, and if you're in a paranormal group and you're listening to my voice right now, this is why you don't submit your evidence to radio shows to have them play it. Because nobody's infallible, okay? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, and I just got done doing an EVP talk today where I talked about EVP is not infallible. Everybody hears something different. So Ed presents this piece of evidence, this EVP, that he's took to linguistic experts. He's had it for 10 years, studied it relentlessly, and this, this linguistic expert told Ed... This isn't even in the English language. They can't figure out what language this is. Oh, well, we got to hear this. So we play it. And as you start to hear him talking in the background, maybe a little bit of noise in the background. You think it's going to be like you know, Satan speaking right. in Latin oh, or yeah, something? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, Dominus Potomiscus, Potomiscus Dominus. Nothing like that. <laughs> what, you hear, what you hear is IVS media demo. And I look at Dave, and he looks at me, and there's this quizzical look on both our, our faces. And you got, all you got to do is just wait another 10 seconds, and you hear it again. AVS Media Demo. And Ed goes, there! Did you hear it? It repeated. So Dave goes, AVS Media Demo, to himself, and puts it in Google. AVS, he didn't know how to spell it, but he assumed the media part was media. And he put in Avis Media Demo. Up pops AVS. And an audio editing program. And guess what? There's a free version, and there's a paid version. And if you take and you scrub any EVP with the demo version, it puts a watermark on your EVP. And that's the indiscernible language, ancient language that none of us could figure out. Turns out it was British, so it wasn't technically English, our English. It was British English, and it said AVS Media Demo. Well, at this point, we tell Ed, you know what, Ed? And it was easy for me, for me to hear, and because and, David asked me, do you hear what it's saying? I said, no, you know what I hear right now? Because I hear things differently. I hear a stereo sample being played over a mono format. I hear the difference in, in, uh, in sample rate. So I, I didn't listen to the words. I just heard that it, there's something stereo playing over something mono that's a watermark. And he goes, exactly. 
do you know where he goes now listen to it again what does it say i said avs media demo i go I, i've never used any program named avs but I, I he goes well i googled it and i'm on the website right now and this is during a commercial break he goes it's time to call him out so we come back from break and uh ed you know dave says ed i don't know how to tell you this i i think we've cracked the code on this EVP. I think we have your answer for this EVP, and he's all excited. Oh, and then he gets kind of defensive as he's getting excited. Well, what do you think you, you found? He goes, well, that, that indiscernible language you're hearing, it's uh, British English, and AVS Media Demo is a audio editing program. Do you use AVS to scrub your EVP? And he goes, well, uh, uh, yeah, okay. Mm, uh, you probably are using the free version. Well, no, I thought I, I thought I purchased it. Well, obviously, you didn't know how to use the website to purchase the uh, software. And, well, no, you're using the free version, and that AVS Media Demo is a watermark, and that's all it is. So, you know, thanks for playing. To which Ed gets very defensive at that point. And this is yeah. what happens with a lot of people when they submit EVP evidence to someone and say this is, and they set it up, they have the whole story, they set it up to you, you they play it for you, and you clearly hear something other than what they're hearing. The minute you put your input back into them, the ego comes out and the defensiveness comes out and the wall goes up. So Ed's arguing left and right. This is an indiscernible language. And uh, for 10 years, a linguist listened to it. First of all, that must be the worst linguist in the world. I never want to. I wouldn't take him to a fast food restaurant to order off the menu, much less discern any it, other It makes language. you wonder if he sent it to somebody and they were just like, they just humored him and said. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I have a feeling that's uh, what it was. You probably uh, didn't pay for the linguist services. Uh, so they're like, all right, we'll give you a freebie, Ed. Uh, we can't tell what language it is. Yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, you just here, take it back. Um and so he gets really defensive. And at that point, Dave is like, you know what? I got to make a decision. And he made, it turns out people loved it because, you know, anybody loves it when a, when a talk host hangs up on a caller or just dismisses them. It's like, whoa, that's like a mic drop, you know? That's, yeah. the, that's the exclamation point on the entire program. And Dave's done it, man. He has done it. He's done it. <laughs> no, in all fairness, I, I yes, believe only a handful of times. And only yeah. a handful of times. But it makes such an impact that people go, yeah. Like they were sitting behind it. the mic, I love right? It. <laughs> And, and we ended up doing it. Project Serpo, I think, was just nights later. And we did uh, it again. Yeah. And we actually got uh, negative email from it. People going, why are you trashing these guests? It's not that we're trashing them. It's that they had this opinion. And when you point out to them the fallibility of their argument, they get defensive. And they don't want to talk anymore. Mm -hmm. Now it's a fight. People we're not have, here to fight. People have this, uh, they have, they have a, a confirmation bias. Yeah. To what and they and they, they hold this stuff so tight mm -hmm. it's so precious to them yes, that they yep. can't see anything beyond it or take any other kind of it's any a, kind of any it's kind of a criticism. piece of them it's yeah. Yeah, it, yeah it is at that point it's a piece of them so uh, the uh, the part that I guess you said that I shined at was it was Dave uh, says to me over the talkback let's play with this cat for a bit he goes yeah. go into go into cool edit record your voice saying AVS Media Demo, reverse it, because you can do that with speech and, and cool edit. You can do it in Pro, Pro Tools, too. So I, I did a version where I set it forwards. I did a version where I reversed it. We played it for Ed. Ed still said that wasn't it. We played the reverse version of AVS Media Demo, which is, <laughs> is my baby, save it, <laughs> to him, and then played it reversed on the EVP. I did, I, and it was probably the fastest I've ever worked in Cool Edit. I did it over a three-minute uh, break yeah. and brought it back and played them side-by-side side for him. No, that's not it. 
Didn't you record your own voice? I did, yeah, yeah, I did my own voice. Yeah. I did the, the EVP forwards and backwards. I did my own voice saying AVS, the EVP, I say that in air quotes. Uh, you can't see it. It's radio. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, and then uh, I did my own voice forwards and backwards. And he still refused to look at it the, yeah. the way it was. That was the way it was. I mean, it was open and shut. If you would have brought that to court, the judge would have thrown out his case in a minute without even thinking. But, and yes, that's a lot of people's favorite episode. You know what? I actually, I feel bad for Ed. And I'm not saying this from a condescending point yeah, of view. Yeah. I feel bad because this is a guy who really believed he had a piece of evidence and, and he didn't. Right. Right. So at that point, you know, I, I didn't want to piss in his cornflakes, but unfortunately we did. And you know what? What the proper thing would have done. Now, the fallout of this is even funnier than the actual story. What would have been funny is if he would have said to us, you know what, guys? I can see what you're saying. I'm going to take this back and review it. That's the classy way to back out of it and say, you know what? Maybe I wasn't right. Well, let me review it and see. And if he wants to go on other shows and go, these guys are so full of blank, I don't care. He can do that. Yeah. But he didn't do that. Instead, what he did is he sent Dave an email the next day, a scathing email. We read that on the air about, uh, about how we didn't know what we were talking about. And you're comparing apples to oranges. And no, we're not. <laughs> we, we just showed you this isn't what you think it is. But, oh, we were hacks and hooligans, and we didn't belong in the business. And Y'all destroyed oh, his on. world, man. We did. We blew it up. We blew it up like Superman's home planet. It was just it Krypton be gone. It was boom in one, one, uh, one segment. There was another guy that I heard uh, that he got real frustrated with, uh, this guy that was saying that he talked to Satan. Uh, he said that he could talk to Satan. Yeah. And, and, and he kept asking him about... And I'm sure you get these guests. You, you keep asking him about, about, well, can you tell me more? Well, I can't because it's in the book. Oh, well, can you I tell me about that. that? Well, it's in the book. We, and, and, yeah. so, and so Dave just eventually just like, have a good night. Yep. Just hung up on it. Yep. He, he actually got that situation, I think, in the last couple of months on Coast. Yeah. And he had a brilliant line for it. He had a scientist on who was talking. I'm trying to remember what the scientist was talking about. Uh, I think it was Bigfoot DNA. So he was going on and on about how he had this infallible system for discerning DNA and being able to tell if something was Bigfoot or just a, an animal out in the wild. Oh, well, give us an example. Well, dive, I can't. It's in the book. Uh, okay, well, let me ask you this quick question. Well, I'd answer that, Dave, but it's in the book. <laughs> and he goes, well, why don't you give us one or two details from the book so, you know, someone might want to go out and buy it. Yeah. Which yeah. is a perfect line for if you ever get a guest on your show that goes, it's in the book, it's in the book. Just, you know, just say to them, would you kindly give us one or two details well, so somebody want to be interested to go, to go on these shows book? for a lot of people is to promote books. Yeah, but and here's, okay, if you're an author out there and you're listening, remember this. If your publicist doesn't tell you this, I'm now going to tell it to you. If you're going on a long-form talk show and they want to talk about your book and you don't want to reveal the entire book, have three really good stories. It shouldn't be hard if it's a good book. Three really good stories from the book to tell and be willing to field questions that you have to give some answers to. Yeah. It's as simple as that. If you have three good stories and are willing to answer half of the host's questions, it's going to be a great interview. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to ask you about EVP and then your general mm -hmm. attitude about the paranormal itself. Okay. Uh, what do you think about... Uh, you did a presentation today. We, we didn't get to see it. Mm -hmm. But the 
about it. was great. All I did was show Mickey Mouse cartoons <laughs> the entire time. People loved it. it was just about, we had beer for breakfast. It was, it was wonderful. And you're, you're, you're a sound engineer. Rob is a sound engineer mm-hmm. as well. Uh, what do you see as the main problem with people pass, uh, passing off EVPs? And, have, and what is the probably the best one that you could say, okay, I don't have an explanation for that. What's the best one you've heard like that? I'll answer that question first. Best one I've ever heard, the one I can't explain, I couldn't even tell you, is uh, Stacy Jones, a ghost cop. She's been on a haunting. Uh, her son was once possessed by a demon. She runs a group out of, it used to be out of central New York, but she lives in Florida now. She played me a 20-minute EVP. I know you're saying impossible, Rob. 20-minute EVP from the stairwell of a hotel. It was the rape and murder of a woman. You hear the attack. You hear blood gurgling. You hear her screaming. You hear the attacker screaming. You hear everything about it. You hear her dying in the stairwell. If you can get through all 20 minutes, I commend you. I, yeah, I got chills just Yeah, and I get, them, I get them now even talking about it. Um, and I said to Stacy, I listened to it. I said, wow, this is amazing, but come on. You mean to tell me this wasn't recorded in real time, in real life? And she said, Tim, we had the entire hotel. There, we had, they had cameras in that stairwell. There was nothing that happened in that stairwell that night. There was nobody even in that stairwell that night. We had the surveillance video and everything. And I went, wow. Now, that, that has impressed me because you can't normally sustain enough energy for a couple of words, much less 20 minutes of a residual EVP. And at that point, I'm thinking maybe there are such horrific acts that happen and put such a scar on, on that particular parcel of Earth that you do or you are able to manifest that much energy to record that. Now, as far as what frustrates me the most about people who bring me their EVP, lack of knowledge of what they've caught. And it, it comes down to this. You don't have to be an engineer to go out and collect EVP. Yeah. All you need is common sense. When I ask the average, I'll call it what it is. It's a hobbyist. Somebody who goes out and does this for a hobby. When they go out and record EVP at a haunted location, and I'll say to them, okay, what were your surroundings? Well, what do you mean? What was the floor made of? What were the walls made of? Was there an echo? Well, I don't know. How many people were in the room? Well, there were three of us. Okay, how many people were outside the room? Was it just the three of you in this asylum? Or were you doing a a trip where there might have been, you know, some other people that were investigating and doing an EVP session in the hall? Well, I don't know. Okay, so you're telling me you were in an asylum with cement walls and a wood floor, and you're recording, and there might be people outside the door who are whispering. That treble tone of the whisper is going to carry down that hallway and could potentially be caught by the microphone of your recorder. So that, my butt really itches. Turns out that my butt really itches being whispered is that person out in the hall, not the ghost that's trying to talk to you on the recorder. Right. Well, it's the difference between treating it and uh, using the scientific method or not using this. I mean, if you're not canceling out variables, if you're not trying to isolate um, your own evidence in your own little world that you're trying to capture, then it's it's the whole thing is just basically right, worthless. Right. It, you And as you point out, you don't have to be a scientist. You don't have to be a sound engineer. It's just common sense. Mm-hmm. You know, just know your equipment, know what it is you're looking for, and be sure to be super skeptical and eliminate anything in order to get the truth. You have to eliminate, and that's the basis of science, isn't it? If it can be reproduced in a lab, if you can eliminate all possibilities, then that must be the truth. 
So if you're if you're in a situation where you're investigating and you're not sure of your surroundings at all times, and I always say bring a pen and paper and write down, if you have to, write down your scenarios of where you were investigating and everything you notice at the time. Because you don't always remember when you go to listen back to your, your audio. Um, but it, a lot of a lot of EVP can be debunked, and I, I put it this way in my talk: um, people will bring me samples of EVP, and that's fine. But don't come to me with your EVP without giving me a backstory, what the conditions were like, and how you feel the EVP relates to the place you were at or the questions you were asking. If you can't do that, then basically you're showing me your vacation pictures from Tahiti. I'm sure it's nice. I've never been to Tahiti. It looks great. And uh, my eyes are glazing over right now, even <laughs> listening to the rest of this, because I have no frame of reference. And I'm not being yeah, rude or yeah. you know, being a dick about it, but you, you have to be able to tell me what the scenario is if you want me to if you want me to give an honest opinion about what I'm listening to otherwise it's a great it's like listening to somebody else's music it's a great sound but I don't know what you're trying to tell me yeah you know and that's that's where I come at it yeah agreed yeah absolutely what's your feelings about the paranormal I know you're kind of more of a skeptic I am and the you know the reason being when you've been beaten down by life do you believe everything um, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, yeah. people have different experiences some people go through life living light and airy and everyone's good and life is great and those people tend to be believers and then there's realists and not saying cynics because you do have James Randi and guys who are cynics who don't want to be shown if there is another way they just want to believe what they believe I'm not that way if you can come up to me with a compelling piece of evidence and I can I can look at it and you've got me at a point where I can't ask any more questions and you've answered everything for me and I can't debunk it, I'll look at you and say, congratulations, you got something I can't explain. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I won't say, I, I won't argue you to the point where we're both red in the face. I can believe that something happened to you at that point. Sure. Um, I do roll my eyes a lot when I see some stuff on TV, when I, when I see people investigating and it's only because of it's, it's been years of sitting in dark places and, and watching and even making mistakes myself. But then going back and realizing I've made those mistakes. And, and that's part of it, too, when, when you're investigating and when you, where, where your belief comes in. Was I hard enough on myself when I, was, when I was investigating? Did I make sure I did everything right? Am I asking other people, am I doing things right? Am I taking construct, constructive criticism and feedback? So... What do I think of the paranormal? I, I find it extremely intriguing. I've been intrigued with it since I was seven years old. Do I believe in all of it? There's a lot of it I probably don't, and there's some I'm so fascinated by I can't turn away from it. Right. Yeah. I think as you grow, you you begin to see things in a different light. Yeah. That you than you would before. And the more the the other day there was uh, on Thursday night we had uh, they had a panel discussion here at the Paradigm mm -hmm. Symposium. And basically came down to the fact that the more you know about this subject, whether it's related, paranormal, UFOs, the occult, those kind of, you know, whatever, what have you, the more you know, this seems, the, the seems like the less that you have a firm idea of what actually is going on. Yeah. And I've experienced the same thing as well. Right. Myself. The other piece of advice I'd give to people, if, if you ever... <laughs> Not only stay in school and pay attention, especially to your science courses, because science used to bore the hell out of me in school. <laughs> yeah. Science and math gave me a headache. Um, but 
the the more you pay attention and the more you absorb, the more intelligent you are, the better frame of mind you bring to an investigation. Yeah. That's just the way it is. If you walk in and you, maybe you haven't had the best education or didn't pay attention in school, you walk into it kind of blind and you walk into it naive and you walk into it ready to believe anything you hear and you jump at things. I mean, even so everybody gets startled, but not everybody gets scared when they hear something. Yeah. And my whole thing is the better educated you are the more true results you're going to get. That's why I love Paradigm Symposium. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Before I got asked to speak this year, I came to the symposium th for three years in a row. Yeah. And I came here to meet people who honestly are much smarter than I ever am. And I sit there and I pick their brains and I, and I ask them questions that I'm curious about. And it's only by doing that, putting ego aside and really watching people who know what they're doing and asking questions of scientists and, and people who are in the know that you actually start to learn and then be able to form an educated opinion and an educated stance on the paranormal. If you're just watching TV at home and you think it's cool to watch uh, Jay or, or watch Zach do their thing, God love them. They're both friends of mine. I love them to death, but... You know, it's a, it's a show. It's entertainment. Yeah. You know, take it for what it's worth. But that should be, if anybody gets into it because of that, that should be that should be an entry point. Right. Not that should be a catalyst, the, not, not the, the destination. Yeah. Right. Not the destination. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, Tim, this has been awesome, man. I've really oh, enjoyed thank you. sitting down with you. Thank like you. I said, you you and Dave are some of my inspirations. Listen to oh. you guys religiously. Another thank thing you. that I've really enjoyed is the True Crime Tuesdays. Oh, that man. is something that has opened my eyes about a lot of things. You know, and Dave's even stated on the show himself, it's made him very leery of humanity to do those shows. Yeah. When we first started doing it, and you know what? We were actually told we had been doing uh, True Crime Tuesdays for nine or ten months when we had actually heard from a programming consultant. You know what the next big wave in talk radio is for the industry? True Crime Radio. And we laughed and went, oh, we're ahead of the curve once again. Take note, Rob. <laughs> There you go. Take note, Rob. True Crime Radio. Um, but uh, And there are a lot of people coming out with True Crime Podcasts now. And, and the reason being is that people have a morbid fascination with anything. That's where the fascination with the paranormal comes from. What happens when we die? Morbid curiosity. True crime. People have a morbid curiosity about psychopaths, killers, uh, people who think outside the box, way outside the box. Yeah. And and it's actually become a very compelling part of our programming. And I'm I'm glad we 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 changed that focus on Tuesday night. As I was as we were driving through Wisconsin, I was wondering, wonder if we're passing through where Ed Gein lived. That entered my mind. I am so proud of you guys. and You were so brave going through Wisconsin because it's a proven scientific fact that one out of every three people in Wisconsin is either A, a serial killer, or a B, a rabid Packer fan that'll kill you if you say Aaron Rodgers is a girl. Um, yeah, so I'm very proud of you guys for getting through Wisconsin alive uh, and that you weren't turned into a skin lamp or uh, anything like that. They're known for that over there. Oh, sure, they make great cheese, but what is it made out of? Ask yourself that question. Yeah. Well, I think we'll leave it there on that note. <laughs> Tim, uh, where can people get in touch with you and uh, where, can, where they can listen to Darkness Radio? Hey, if you just want to converse and tell me what an a-hole I am, Tim at darknessradio.com. <laughs> uh, and you can go to darknessradio.com. You can get the email for Dave or myself. Uh, send it to Dave, though. He likes it more than I do. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can converse with me that way. Um, we have Parashare Mondays. So on, on yep. uh, the second and third hour, I think it's 10 to midnight central time, you can, you can call us up and share your true parish 
paranormal, paranormal experience, get our opinion. Oh, sure, we're smart asses every once in a while, but most of the time we'll give you an honest answer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, th those are different ways to get a hold of us, and we're very friendly. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Those links are all at darknessradio.com. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. All right, well, we're going to go on to the next. Let's go. <laughs> Are you recording now? Yeah, we're rolling. Yeah, we're recording. Oh, fantastic. We're now professional. You know, this is something that you have to know by, about John by now, is once you He's say another go... one who messes around with a microphone. <laughs> I'm there, talk, I'm there that's, listening to you. That's I was, because you're I all... I was not interrupting you, I might say. You always... And he messed around with my microphone. Now, I've got to move myself now. <laughs> or should I... Move my chair. There you go. That's better. I feel Am like, I on? Am I, feel, I on? I feel like I'm on Intrepid Radio right testing, now. Testing, testing. Well, this is what There we does. go. You know, you know. This is Intrepid Radio. quiet. I'm I trying to quiet. say something. Oh, sorry. Go this on. is what Please. he does on Intrepid Radio. He interrupts. It's, or I'm ready. Symbol? I give him the five, four, three, one. And I'm supposed to bring us in. And I go, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to... And he's, he says... Something like, oh, welcome to the pharaonic I never say fishing that. I contest. I always say, welcome to J.R. Hartley's fishing contest. Today, we're going to be looking for the lesser spotted salmon Mr. of the Nile BBC. <laughs> He's so BBC in his delivery. And then when you're talking, he'll ask you a question. And when you're halfway through answering the question... He'll butt right in. He goes, okay, okay, I'm bored with that topic. Let's move on. No, no we're going to finish. Do you we're, not, we're ADHD, it's, it's, it's but we're not ADHD. that ADHD. Do you realize that Basil Forty had it right? With you who? Americans. What do you mean who? Basil Forty? Basil Forty from Forty Towers. Basil Forty from Cleese. Forty Towers. He Is said, that his name, quote, Forty? No, I, Faulty. Faulty. Oh, Thank Faulty Towers. Oh, Faulty <laughs> Towers. You, 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 you are it. actually the presenter on this program, yes. aren't you? Yes. Where, where are we, anyway? We're at the Paradigm Symposium. Well done. Or the aftermath of the Paradigm Symposium. The aftermath. <laughs> and uh, we're here with the uh, organizers. Scotty Roberts. That would be right me. Next to me. Mr. John Ward right across from me. That would be me. And uh, guys. You, look, you look knackered. I look what? You look knackered. Knackered? Yes. Is it supposed to be like tired or something? Yes, you, you look like a pile of dog excrement that's been oh, warmed up you. in a frying thank pan. You, John. Thank you, Just tell the, maybe pro a touch British, Adam, the proper British response to that is, well, you look wankered. <laughs> I can't, you can't oh, say that oh. W word. It's a very rude yeah, I know. word. You can't say wankered, wankered or bloody or... Seriously. There might be another one. Do you want me to stay here? Yes, Stop swearing. Yes. I want Stop you to swearing. Stay You've been, try you've been trying to get hold of us now for four I'm, days. I'm not bugger off, I'm not John. I'm swearing. I mean, you know, we're, we're within the confines of the 50 states still. Mm. Guys, why are you I holding it like a... F why you See, you had to play with it, didn't you? <laughs> you had to play with the mic. It just wasn't positioned properly for my face. <laughs> Guys, I have been I've been so impressed. <laughs> I can so I can so follow on from that. But John, I won't. John, are you gonna I let won't. this is Adam's show. Are you gonna let him talk? I think we've hijacked it. Mm -hmm. It should I think we should call this the Adam Sane's Insane's <laughs> Intrepid Conspira Paradigm Normal Symposium show. <laughs> You know, you've got a knack for that. Yeah, you're you ever gonna thought have to of being a copywriter, a headline yeah. writer for a newspaper? Maybe. Maybe it could be my new job. I think that should I be might your new job. I business in the States. Well, guys, I just wanted to tell you. Oh, I, you're still here. I, okay. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> okay. 
Do you I, have anything to say? I just want to tell you, I am very impressed by the lineup that you guys have put on. Thank you. Uh, this has been something that I have been looking forward to since probably last April to be here with you guys. That's right. Um, had a setback. You know, getting things. You know, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Scott. Indeed, you, indeed. You know, but you, had, you, you the stitches. Back. You have the stitches out next week, don't you? Uh, they're already out. They're already out. Okay. Yeah. Is that for the colostomy? Bag? No, he no, sold his kidney. Oh, it's very yeah, serious. Well. It's very serious. He sold hey. his kidney so we could have this show. Did he Maybe wake, that's how I could cover the gap. <laughs> did he wake up? <laughs> did he wake up in a bathroom in a bathtub full of ice? Is that uh, what it was? He, he did. He did. He, he actually had this blue residue coming out of his stomach lining, um, but the intelligence never went down. <laughs> See, I how asked John. How did you sacrifice, John? Um, I've I've actually drunk less coffee. I hope you know. Okay. Okay. That's an organ <laughs> sacrifice. Well, it saved money. Well, yeah. it saved money on, on coffee, right, water, right. disposable cups. If you can see, I'm still using the same disposable cup I had yesterday. <laughs> Do you know? Save the planet, save the symposium. That's, I mean, that's a damn wow, good no, one. Okay. Ow, if I, ever I think that's, a good, I think that's <clears throat> a good trade. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the BBC World Service. <laughs> Today, we will be talking about... Save the planet. Fishing. Save the symposium. Save the symposium. <laughs> oh, save the planet. You had save to ruin symposium. it, didn't you? There I was. I was doing there. it, and you ruined it with How's interruptions. It How's it feel? Every well, this time is... I do anything substantive, he's got to... Oh, when do you me, do anything I go, substantive? I don't mean to interrupt, but... Well, usually it's, I interrupt because it's like today. The panel. Half of the panel was asleep. Poor Travis. He was snoring. Damn, Matt Travis had to give did him a poke asleep. in the side with a microphone. <laughs> you go, oh, I've got to have a little bit of a And poor rest. Peter Robbins, he drifted off and was watching the setting sun. <laughs> Scott Water buggered off to buy some stone from someone. And, you know, half the panel was gone. Half the audience was gone. You're still whittling on about That's Jesus. That's only three. <laughs> again, I talking again. about Jesus Wait, at all. We don't have the Jesus You know, this is the Paradigm here. Symposium. We talk about aliens, paranormal activity, ghosties. So what do you think of Jeff? Uh, daughter, I love uh, Jeff. Yeah, but he, you know, he doesn't know his shit, really, does he? Oh so let's be God. honest. You know, what's his opening liner? Praise me! He was demonstrating what he used to do, and he turned turned it into a sermon and started talking about Jesus being the alien. Did you guys see uh, Jeff Dougherty's? We didn't uh, see him. We were doing performance. You, sh- you you missed it. Did you know? I didn't notice that the her blessed Virgin Mary that I've said a few expletives about before, but I won't say it here, um, <laughs> was impregnated by something. With, uh, I've, I think with I've heard that something. before. Yes. With, with something. something. Now, what now, Jeff she was doing was going back to the he was going Greek. On. He was going on that she was attacked, she was immobilized, and all that stuff. That's think, what why, it why literally translates to from the Greek. And say, Man, she was raped. Why didn't you just say that? God well, raped, or the divine spirit, or whatever because it was. He wasn't, editorializing, he wasn't editorializing with immob- words. He was telling you what the Koine Greek was had she found? to say. I want to know, did she have original I language? Know, did Mary find a gag ball? That's what I want to know. <laughs> was she wearing a gag ball at the time? I'm just saying. All right, John, saying. I'm already seeing the emails rolling in. Emails are coming up for all those you are Catholic. Scotty Roberts at gmail.com. John Ward. John Ward at IntrepidMagazine.com. I, 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 I just want to say something. I'm not going to be rude, but there's a guest sat next to me. I don't know who he is, but I've seen you wandering around. Are you Amish? No, but I have friends who are. But you, 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 you got the get up. Yes, I 
because I, I I actually play. I, 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 don't think I we're played. Up Robert. I this played. Is, this is for our friend Robert Hyde here. Brother, brother Robert. Yeah. Hi, brother you Robert. How you mic? doing, sir? You want to get on the Excellent. mic, Robert? A little, just briefly. Nah. Okay. <laughs> so you're, so you're, you're not Amish. Amish. Are, Amish. Are, are, are you jihadi? Is that like Amish? <laughs> That's like the word I mean, Amish. I'm just trying to figure out the big beard thing. Is it a sexual aid? He, he's a he's he's a, he's a mufti. A, a mufti. Yeah. I could go really bad, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not going to go down that road. <laughs> I could do. I could go there. Gag balls and gimp suits. Necro pants. Necro pants. See, he's been banned from bringing up necro pants on Intrepid Radio. <laughs> so now he's here. What's okay. the, one of the first John, topics? No, no, Adam, Adam's trying to, to take you control. Need to, you need to explain okay. to everyone this, what necro pants are. I really wish Luke was here. Necro pants are basically a Scandinavian way of cast- Icelandic. Well, Scandinavia. It's up there in the north, up in the tundra Iceland next to the snow. Scandinavia. <laughs> Little penguin people. Eskimos and all the Inuit people. people. Eskimos in Iceland. They live in igloos, you know. That's Alaska. Houses made of ice. It's the Yukon. I mean, that's stupid. I mean, what's the point of building a house out of ice? Seriously. <laughs> You know, what happens when the sun comes up? Oh, I don't think my insurance covered zero. that one, did it, love? I mean, you know, really seriously. One you know, honey, one there's a heat wave Denmark. today. It's gone up to 25 below zero. Let's break out the flip-flops and the shorts. But did you know, did you know the Eskimos invented disco? Did you know that? But they, they shine... The uh, northern lights. Yeah, baby, let's have a party. Green lights, green lights. So the Eskimos invented yeah. the northern lights. Yeah, it's disco. I so ne- necro pants. I've been doing necro pants. My Basically, name is John Ward. Make- I've been reading at home a lot, and I found <laughs> out that the Northern Lights were created by the Eskimos. <laughs> I've been on very good authority. I found it in a book by Eric Von Daniken. I think that Brother Robert might have a, something to say on this. Did, were the Amish involved? Just the Mennonites. The, the, the Mennonites? Oh, see, I like this man. I should, do you want to be my partner in crime on Intrepid Radio? Oh, I'm looking for a replacement for Scotty, really. <laughs> I love the beard. He's going to put I, you I'm out the past. Yeah, I, just yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> you should have heard what he said about my neighbors when he first came to America. We don't talk about that. Oh, we don't. <laughs> no. See, I got your attention, though, you didn't, didn't I? You did, I'll be quiet. I'll be a good boy. Necropants. Uh, this is becoming an Icelandic hour, episode Necropants, where you left off. Necropants are an Icelandic thing. Thing. Something. We're Some back to thing. gym suits and gag balls. Yeah. And basically, what it is, I would make a coven with Scotty, okay? A covenant. When I die, he would come and take my body and sexually abuse it, of course. Um, but I, then, I, I, then, Why then do you have to go there? That's not part of the ritual. So there's no anal probing? <laughs> no. I was... Up, well, <laughs> I just thought, you know, we're here at the Paradigm Symposium, aliens, abductions and all that, anal probing. I haven't heard. Know much what of I mean? That. Nudge, 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 wink, nudge, wink, wink, wink. Say no more. Said no more. Did the blind man to the bat? Could be, could be, could be. Bet she's a goer. Bet she's a goer. So you make a covenant with a friend of yours. So he would come and flay me. No, that's a bit sexual. Isn't After it? he's dead. After he's dead. Now, is that a connotation attached to that flaying? 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 Alive? No, I'm dead. You flay my legs. Have you brought your flaying stick? No, I don't know. Ah. <laughs> oh. Mr. Roberts, I've been expecting you. It's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. That, <laughs> not the only thing you flay, that? though, right? Because uh, you're yeah, uh, you're looking to flay something else Ooh. off the body. Adam, correct. You're pretty hot, aren't you? <laughs> Damn, man. What it is? is, is what that, are those pearls are? Sweat coming off your forehead. We, we've made a covenant with each other. Red, While no. we're both still alive, we've made this covenant, and he dies. 
Why do I have to die? Why you, you brought die? up your death first. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just going you with gave, your you analogy. Gave the kidney. I gave a kidney. You had to give your whole bottom half. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the coven. <laughs> so the, the necropants would be you would flay very carefully around my the skin throat. from his waist <laughs> all the way down, and you would sh- you would peel them off. So you just make one cut around the top, and you'd peel that off, and you have to work it all off. How would it? And how then would when you, you come, how would you delicately fondle my testicle area? Oh, I wouldn't be fondling it. Well, you'd have to hold them because it would rip them. They'd just kind of stretch, wouldn't they? <laughs> Think about this anatomically speaking. Anatomically speaking, they would stretch. <laughs> so you've got to kind of nudge them out. Oh, Lord. You'd I'm just going to have to assume, too, that Icelandic them. people back in 1500 were not circumcised. I'm just trying to figure out how you would cup a testicle myself. How I would cup? Let's ask Brother Roger. Brother? So is, is you cut this all out. <laughs> I think okay. the idea is you, you gut the, you the scrotum. You gut the scrotum? You gut the scrotum. <laughs> the, our covenant keep it is attached. over. I'm telling you now, there's no the covenant other, between us anymore. You gut the scrotum. You're dead. Quality, You're not going to feel it. Radio. So you get the whole skin from the waist down peeled off, complete I'm with complete with his penile unit and his scrotum, which has been... Which has been gutted. <laughs> and then you put the necropants on. <laughs> Seriously, you put them on yourself. And you know what you do with the gutted nutsack? You put coins in there. You, they're like talismans. You cast a spell. You put coins in the scrotum. And you walk around jingling all around with... This spell. I so the idea, it's an Amish thing. I told you it's an Amish thing. <laughs> now, the thing about if John went first and we had this covenant, it'd be like me squeezing into a pair of 501 tight jeans. Skinny man what a, what jeans. What a fashion that would be. It's would like, you, oh my you, God. Would you lube up first? I would most likely have to. That would be. But, but here's the lube, thing about it, the covenant. It, as an Icelandic, in your igloo, because it's made a house, made a house, made a house. Ice. Would you use seal, seal oil? So would you go and club a seal to death first? A little puppy suit. Yeah, because they're safer. <laughs> you know, blood and hemorrhaging all over the place, all over this nice clean snow. I never got that. This seems I like, never a, really this seems got like that. a lot of work. They don't do that do in Iceland. Well, what do they do? They go to the local butchers. I haven't seen any butchers or local in the igloo land. So you get, you get the necropants. <laughs> Father Christmas could probably bring them there. He's from up there. Bringing the necropants? No, the lube. Let him do all the work. The lube. I hope we don't have any listeners I say, in Iceland. Father Christmas, <laughs> on my wish list for Father Christmas, I would like one pair of necro pants, please. Complete please gut lube. the scrotum before <laughs> so, it comes. Let, let's get back to serious no- notions. Uh, save the planet and save the Paradigm Symposium. Let me drink my coffee. Yes, these are the See, these no. are the mature organizers of the Paradigm Symposium. <sighs> right next to it, right next to us here. Do we get any free gifts for being on the show? Uh, I already gave you a free gift. What'd you give him? Yeah, I didn't. Oh give yeah, him. I did. Yes. Stones, Phil. Do, yeah. Yes. I got what that. did I get? It's DVD. You want to? Oh, I'm out here. The only problem is. The <laughs> 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 problem is I got to buy a DVD player. Now. I might just oh, come over to your. You place. don't have a DVD player? No, of course I don't. Just come on over. We'll watch it together. Yeah, in our necro pants. In yeah, our necro pants. You guys can trade all in one. But see, the purpose of the necro pants, <laughs> you once you put them on, you never you take them off. never take them off. Sure. What? How does I, that work? So you're wearing a so, dead man's I, skin. We didn't talk about the anal with passage. coins in his gutted So what would scrotum. you do around the anus? The sphincter? <laughs> I think what you do, you know would what you I would do? Would you cut a hole? 
I would be a bit creative with that. It'd be like carving a pumpkin on Halloween. Well, that's it. That's what I'm saying. You could actually I would, you could squeeze out decorative lumps of poo. A, I wouldn't do just a It'd hole. be like an icing bag. I would probably it? be do a long, like like wedge-shaped cut. So, John, when Scotty I'd put, croaks before you do... I'm going to put Father are Christmas... Are you going to do this? Father Christmas patterns in my anal passage. So I mean, when I think I you poop, can decorate it any I could, way you I want could to decorate poop it, little man. tiny Father Christmases. Like a Play-Doh Fun Factory? <laughs> yeah. I, do you know what? Well, they were fantastic. <laughs> I love those things. I absolutely love it. <laughs> I think we've just invented the next new toy. Gentlemen, what's been the best part of this for you? This show. The best part of doing this, this, this interview? Meeting the Amish brother Robert. <laughs> Roger? Duncan? Men, you're Mennonite. This Does that make saying. you an elder? <laughs> he keeps on winking. Are you an elder? Are you Elder Bob? <laughs> Bob, it's right, Bob, right? Bro, bro, elder Bob. Brother, brother Bob. Bro, bro, elder Bob. I, I was going to say brother, brother, brother. He's why? a Mennonite. It scares me oh. when they say that. I don't know why. <laughs> why? Well, it's a Mennonite. I don't know. It just what's scares been your, me. Uh, what's been your favorite part? I know part. what a Mennonite is. Favorite part. Okay. My favorite part of the Bird Times Symposium. I would say it, it's the people. It's the actual doing the day, and it's having the people come who, see, I've just gone blank, who've come before, uh, the new people. It's, it's, it's the people that are here. Uh, that is the core of the Paradigm Symposium. It doesn't matter what kind of problems you ended up with. Is that the picture the of a clitoris? I'm talking over here. <laughs> it's a clitoris. <laughs> It's the wolf. Rob, make sure you put a big uh, red E. I'm next just saying what it show. is, what it looks like. It's, Sorry. it's, it's subliminal. It's a pyramid. Let's do a little warning. It's, our, uh, our hands it's the fagi, the badge, the G, sacred geometry. Oh, that, sacred geometry. I just made it. I just made it right. It's three. Say that again. The fagi, the fagi, sacred geometry. Please, Adam, please continue. I want to talk about some serious geopolitics here in a second, but I still right. want to know what you, John, what your favorite part of this uh, symposium has been. All of it, actually. Yeah. You know, and I'm being I thought you were going to say the paycheck. The, the pay- <laughs> <laughs> Guys, are, oh, 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 oh. are you going to, uh, I know you, it has been said that um, this will be the last one. Are you thinking about reviving it? Or Do you know what? I, I've... We, being serious for a second, and I said it on stage on the closing ceremonies how the dedication, the sacrifices that Scotty and Rainey have had to make over yeah. the years to bring the symposium together each year. And I'm being honest now, you know, because I see these guys, I see the pain they go through. Um, and Scotty said, you know, this is it. I, I can't can't give any more. Yeah, I can't do this anymore. And I yeah. quite agree with him, to be honest with you. If it was down to me, I would say no more paradigm symposium. Um, but it's not down to me and Scotty anymore. I think the people are, you know, there's enough of a crowd that's turned up. People have, they, they've expressed how much fun they've had, the learning, the discussions, you know, the debates and so forth. And as we've always said, at every single Paradigm Symposium, we've said, you know, the purpose of learning is to be able to come and discuss matters. The ability to discuss, debate, share ideas, share theories, that's what it's all about. Because if you stop doing that, you stop learning. The research just dries up. And we've had a great lineup of speakers this year. And we have phenomenal, yeah, very absolutely. diverse, very absolutely. diverse from alien abduction and anal probing, all the way to the <laughs> diversification of extraterrestrials. Yes, I always Give, wonder about that topic. You yes, know? I, I, I think we is, should is have. That, some, is that a real topic, or is that it just like a subtopic? What anal probing? Yeah, tell us about it, Adam. Well, how have was you, it for you? Have, have you <laughs> been? Have you been anally probed? Well. So I don't like to talk about that very much. So you're amongst friends. I just said, you know, you open know, discussion I mean, brings forth 
research. And nah, it's never happened to me. That might be unfortunate. Mennonite brother Rob? <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> Put it there. Give me some skin. Give me some skin. <laughs> Your face sweaty. Sweaty palms. <laughs> Give me tissue. So, what are we talking about? About the best part of the... It's is it? no, and I will say, I will say that the... Where? The, uh, <laughs> the desire to say that we might not do it again wasn't like out of exasperation or anything. It was more of, it, it's, some of it is just the frustration of wanting to do something that's worthwhile, that we have a passion about. Actually, no, I think you can be honest. That it, be honest. Okay, you, you just interrupt me and no, tell I just me want you, what I, I really want you, mean. I want you to be honest. It's, it, and that's financial. I mean, it is. Oh, well, that's what I was saying. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, let, let's be serious thing. for just five seconds. Okay, and I'll let, you, and I, and I let you have your, sp- your speak. But I want you to be honest. And that is, it's financial. It, it is. It's a killer. It you is know. a killer financially. You would think that, uh, that there's a point when you start a business where you say, if that business does not become self-supporting and maintain itself, that, oh, I'm probably in the wrong business after five years of that. Uh, but you still continue to try to do something that's worthwhile, to bring something good to the public. And I think gathering these speakers together and giving people the opportunity to come here. And, and I've had people, by the way, I don't care how this comes across. I have people bitch and moan and piss about the price of a ticket. And you say, it costs money to do these things. We don't grow money trees in yeah. the backyard. Just doesn't have the, the this comes out of our pockets or our sponsors and so on. So that's where it becomes. That's where along the way you say, "I'm done being a fundraiser. I'm done being a selling advertising and selling sponsorships." And oh my god, and you just say, "I, I want to do this for the fun of it and for the enjoyment and for the the uh, the passion of it to make something that is I've said it already worthwhile." And it's the some days it was the struggle to get there. To that door, yeah. and uh, and it's not like we have bad speakers. I mean, look at we got Peter Robbins, awesome speakers. We, we've awesome. we've got Richard Dolan, Scott Walter, uh, uh, Randall Carlson, me. Uh, uh, let's me. see, uh, Rita Louise, me. Um, we had uh, uh, Laird Scranton, me. Uh, we had Rocky Stucci, me. We had uh, who else did we have? Me. We had uh, wait, I'm missing somebody. Me. Uh, Ed Nightingale. No, he wasn't that good. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, Ed. Ed. <laughs> see Ed. And we had John Ward. I think next year we should invite for a two-hour session, Brother Robert the Mennonite. <laughs> you know, I like that. Telling us I about like that. home beard trimming. <laughs> do you actually trim that okay. or do you get little squirrels to come along right, and yeah. nip at you Robert I think you've become the comedy relief you just want to package him up don't you and take him home with you <laughs> put him in the corner yeah, bring him out Christmas I want to say this yeah uh, this is what I want to say about you haven't said much so you know, far yes. yeah well uh, it's right. kind of like see you in a bit what you I'm do here. inspires other people. And I think that there will be other people that will take on the mantle of this. Can you hang on in for a second? Very possible. Rich is going to give me a smoochie. Give me some love. In the same. You might be Oh, God. That was good. That was a point. I love that, man. Right Thank there. you. Thank you, Rita. I love you. Oh, you know I do. It gave me a leg cramp. <laughs> so, um, wow. Yeah, I think you're that right beard. about that, Adam. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's going to be 
I think others are going to take on that mantle. People are going to be inspired. And that's, well, how all that's, what, it's, but that's what we've said every year. We want people to be inspired. Yep. We wanted people to leave here, be inspired, and come back to us. And I said it today. I don't know if you heard me in the closing speech. The one cancer of this community is the community. It's killing itself from yeah. within. Okay. And I'm being serious. You heard what I said out there, and I'm not going to repeat it on, on the radio. Um, you know, and that was a direct result of that cancer. Yeah. You know, it, and if people, if the community in general does not change, there will not be a community. Shows like this will have no audiences. Our shows won't have any audiences. There will be no symposiums. There will be no great speakers. There will not be any more alternative thinkers yeah. because there will be no forum. There will be no platform. There will be no listeners. There will be no readers. No one will be interested because you can go on Google. You can look it on Google. You can watch YouTube. You can go on Twitter. You're looking in your crappy media. You won't bother. It's got to change. Yeah. Really, seriously, the backstabbing. All this infighting, this lethargy, and it is a lethargy. People are falling asleep because it's the same material year after year after year. How, long, how much longer can we seriously discuss Roswell? Seriously, yeah. come on. You know, well, is, is the archaeology going to change there? To uncover. I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah. Roswell is a bunch of theorizing. And all of that. But, you know, I, I'm just using that as an example. We need to get young blood in. We need people to come to the, to the foray and be inspired. We need to have more symposiums. But we need to take out this monetary side of things. It's a, it's a killer. It really is. Things have to change. But we can only do that together as a community. I was talking to jo I was talking to Scotty the other day on the on the show, to a couple of shows that we had to go, and um, I think the internet, in and of itself, in a way, has killed some of this kind of getting together in a group, discussing the conference atmosphere, because people say, "Well, why should I do that when I can?" When I can get on YouTube and I can watch something for free later, I don't I, have to I pay gave for a, it. a lecture, I think it was in 2013 symposium or 2012 symposium. At the, uh, <laughs> you're talking about the first one? I think it was the first one, wasn't it? Yes. Where I brought up the sub, this very subject in 2012, yeah. the armchair archaeologist. And I've mentioned it on radio many times, you know, the grandma basement job where he's got a box of Kleenex tissues and he's just down there jerking off all the way, just <laughs> listening to internet radio, reading Laird Scranton's books and so forth and jerking off. <laughs> but you don't see them come here. You well, don't see them. That's a new them. one. Yeah. I'm, I'm just I mean, saying. Ooh, Either people ooh, don't have the money or they don't have the money. But that's daddy who hasn't got the money. That's why we need to remove the monetary element. Now, yeah. I'm not saying we can't make money at this. At the moment, we've never made we've never made a penny. It's never ever made a penny. Yeah, we have true. been broke every year. We have actually gone had to go into our own pockets. Scotty has made huge financial sacrifices to make sure this comes off. And it's got to change. They're how, they're, these Comic Cons and Paracons and, you know, Basement Cons and Jerking Off Cons and Amish Cons and so forth. You know, you know what I'm talking about Monday night? I got your wink down, you see. It, it's got to change. Because if it doesn't change, this won't happen. Yeah. And it's be, that, that's going to be very sad. What's your response to that, Scotty? How do you feel about I agree. That?
Uh, it, it is, you know. I mean, you, I know you wanted more than that. But no, you, you, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I would agree with John that um, you see it in a lot of these communities: scientific community, paranormal community, alternative community, UFO community, alien community. All of those communities. When you get a community that starts building up around it, there is the seedbed uh, this, uh, for cannibalism. Is what I would call it. Self-implosion. It's you find that. People will like certain people. They'll like other people. They'll prefer one person's theory over another. You'll see them uh, finding ways to degrade those whose theories they You're don't like. Jokes. And it, and it goes to a personal level sometimes. And so could I say? Can I? That's cannibalistic. Can I, can I help you there? Bye, Davey. Love you, man. Bye, Dave. Chef Dave. Phenomenal food, by the way. Yes. Phenomenal food. Oh, yeah. Did you no, have? No, that was I've different never about had this mac year's and cheese paradigm before. symposium. And I had it for the first time this year. Listen, my this congratulations, John. Wow. I'm waiting to pass you're, it, you're, my little father Christmas. America now. Little you've father Christmas pattern poops. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just like to ask Scotty a question while, we, while we're being serious for two seconds. Do you, do you think that part of the problem within all these various communities that you just mentioned is the lack of leadership? What do you reckon? I'll put that to the table. What do you reckon, men I'm mate? just thinking about that, and I'd say, yeah, to a certain extent. Lack of leadership. Yeah. But I, I, don't, th I don't think the community needs a, a leader. Yeah, mein Führer. No, but it, actually, I don't think we need that. But if you, you say that, but each community is imploding. Each one. And you, I, I mean, I'm not talking about my, you know, my Father Christmas patterned uh, anus. It, it really is. I'm going to tell you, I have, I have seen this kind of stuff over and over again. And for the most part, I like to stay out of it because of I've seen it so much. I've seen it with the ghost community. I've seen it with the, uh, I will say this, the quote unquote fringe Christian community. They're the same way. I've all communities, this, uh, all way. communities. Anytime a group of people are together and egos get involved, it, it turn it, it. And that's where leadership, uh, leadership, motivation, dedication, yeah. passion, and so forth. All of that delegation. That's where it comes into play. Yeah. And I think with that, you can create a sustainable, next. substantial, and self-sustainable. What do you just? Inter oh, you're okay. just interrupting me. I'm being really serious asking, and insightful. Yeah, you hurt me. It was very touching. Get, I'm going to get my Mennonite on you. The guys I'm going to set there. the Mennonites on, on you. Next, they're like they're like with my they're like Mennonite necro pants. Mennonite necro pants. Do you have an? Uh, you know, I wonder if. Oh, I love you. I love you. those eyes. They're like you rise with a little cat or Shrek. <laughs> so cute. You just you just melt me. Was that praise be? <laughs> Find a way of setting a forward direction. For example, what happens next? What happens next in relating to alien consciousness? What happens next in dealing with ghosts? What happens next in moving, moving up if people have a desire for higher consciousness? How about, how about anticipating the future instead of always going back and, uh, and, and archaeologizing the past. Well, this is something John has said many times over the last well, week, yeah. especially, inspired. Is, is that he said he names certain people in the field and he goes, he goes, what were they doing 10 years ago? Okay. What are they doing now? 
Well, same thing. How about this person? What were they doing 10 years ago? Well, this. What are they doing now? Well, kind of the same thing. How about this person? What are they doing? And so on and so forth down the line. And who so-and-so wrote a book on Roswell? There it is. What was his next book on uh, Roswell? He just released a new book this year. What was that one on? Uh, Alien Bodies at Roswell? And okay, and he's got one planned now for next year. What is it? Um, Roswell Redo? And uh, so, you know, and he's right, and John is right, and you're right, Elder Bob, is that this is stuff Brother Bob. is rehashed and rehashed and rehashed. Bob. And I think the rehashing comes, you know where I think the rehashing really comes from? Is wanting to continue to find a revenue stream out of saying the same thing again a different way. Yeah. And now that's not to say there's not unique research out there and there's good research. I know uh, Rich Dolan is writing a book on, on uh, false flags and things like that. Um, so, and it sounds like it's going to be very, very intriguing. But that's just one. That's one. one. That's just one aspect. You can't build a symposium out of one person. Well, but you true. can build a symposium out of many topics surrounded by that one topic. You know, yes. I'm, I'm going to say this, and um, I've been asked What are you putting in an envelope Several there? times. What is that? What is that, a bogey? Yeah. You just picked your nose. Yeah, that's what I did. Just like <laughs> Ted Cruz. I had to wipe it away. Uh, I'll say this. I've been asked several times by a few people, why don't you write a book? Why don't you find something to write about and write a book? Did I know you? And my response is, I don't know what to write about because I feel like there's so much out there that's already been covered. I feel like if I do, I want to be original. I don't want to be derivative. I've got an idea. Why don't you bring out the Adam Sane Conspiranormal Crayon Painting Book? Oh, now, see, I like that. Based Grand on books that's are a good based on sacred geometry, little yeah. little patterns, and you get you get red, blue, and green with it. Comes free with the with the book, yeah. and you get to color them in. Well, I could I could have coloring, but I could that's have, all the rage is adult John, coloring books Scotty. right now. Yeah, but you this know, isn't really aimed at adults. Color in John in the desert. You know, you we could have that. brother Bob in there. Yeah, there's only Elder two colors. Bob. Oh, with a bit of green, <laughs> black, and blue. <laughs> Scott, I'd, love like I'd love to see your wardrobe. I'd love to see your wardrobe. I'm getting close. I think you've been sleeping here. I'm getting close. What's this sound? <laughs> <laughs> That's my forehead hitting my microphone. So uh, go with Adam. You said that beautiful. I want to ask you a couple side? questions, especially John's, for John, because yeah, I, I love his. Uh, I really love his viewpoints on the world. I think they're unique. You, oh I think for somebody that's uh, because John is not an American. He's lived in a lived abroad for most of his life. Yep, and. I want to know... And that fits perfectly new our topic on transgender bathrooms. <laughs> John's been living oh, no, as a broad for many years. Please, Did you hear me? No. Did you hear me? I'll stand about that. Dan Madsen, yes, he, was, yes. he was on the panel, he was going on about his thing, and I said, uh, so uh, uh, is there a new word for the Trekkie transgenderism? He didn't have an answer. And he said... He didn't have an answer. He laughed. Oh, he had no answer. <laughs> no answer. I Asked. think he was being dipl- Go for it, Adam. Give me that sensible question. I can't talk. I, 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 I will question. Sound like I'm drunk. For you. I don't think that's being diplomatic. Oh, someone pushed Scott. <laughs> Mute him. Cut. Cut. Ixnay on the right, Scotty Roberts. Take me anywhere. Two-fold question. Actually, oh. probably really two questions. First is... What do you think about what's going on in our election here now, the craziness that's going on? Loving it. And I'd love to know your viewpoint on potential of the UK leaving the EU. Even better subject. Love both of those subjects. Thank you. Welcome. It's been wonderful being here. Bye. Thank you. (laughs) 
Take it over, Mennonite. <laughs> do, you you have a ba- do you actually have a bango? A banjo? <laughs> bango? <laughs> what do you call those American things? Oh, you hire them out. This I'd love to have him as a psychic on Jabber Radio. Bring up, bring up Brother Bob. It's the musical section with Brother Bob. I don't think Mennonites can be... Oh, Brother Bob and Trump. Kentucky, you can work on Brother Bob's farm. Oh, love it. I come down to Kentucky and work on Brother Bob's farm. Get myself some calm. Right. So. Well, I'm going to go in there with them more time. I'm going to get that in. I'm going to play ding, dang, dong. I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to up from England and I lost I want you to take those necro pants and put them on so Don't forget to loop up, though, boy. Ball, brother, ball. Tell Jeff to get these guys in the leisure hour. Praise be. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise amen. Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. And Mary and the Hallelujah. Bible. You know, that's one word. That's one word when you're in the Southern Baptist Church. It's say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. <laughs> say it, John. Say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Glory. Say ha- glory. 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 Amen. Do I have an amen? Amen. Do I have a praise Jesus? Praise little Jesus. Do I have a say hallelujah? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I always have a problem with that word. So how long oh. has it been since you guys slept? Oh, Juliet. Scotty. How do I lube thee? Let me tell you the couple oh, ways. Oh, Juliet, how do I look? I don't know. I, can't, I, I believe it's I can't probably about a few hours. Right. Let's, let's get back to the presidential yeah. race. I think it's fantastic. I think you guys... Are we out of time? I love the way you guys kind of sucker into your media. There is no presidential race. Yeah. There are no primaries. It's just CNN and Fox. Yep. <laughs> Done. On MSNBC. Yep. No. <laughs> um, oh, and the BBC, which only slants and criticizes Trump, says nothing about Hillary. And then if anybody else is actually in the primary or was in the primary, they don't want to talk about him anyway. So they it's just, care. they yeah. don't care. Yeah. And they just talk this about is Obama. Nigel Cotsworthy on the BBC. The BBC. I want to talk about Trump Donald Trump. And his hairpiece. And how Parliament is going to <laughs> is a hairpiece, ban him it? from England. It's got to be a hairpiece. He I, I, shall not. It's you expect him to. He's, he's, he's gonna, Trump is going to be the next villain on the Bond film. I've been expecting you, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Whilst you're choking, he's tube. <laughs> That's not a tube. It's, tube. it's a tube. Come That's on. That's a comb over. <laughs> That's not a comb I over. I just watched a compilation of Trump speeches from 1980 onward. The man is a billionaire. His hair hasn't changed since 1980. Of course, he's a billionaire. It's a tube. It's the same tube. He has it hair dried. I mean, I don't care he if he wants to wear day. a tube. He has a personal he hair dryer called Brother Bib. It's he's a not a tube. <laughs> <laughs> right. Back to Trump. What do you reckon? No, Bob's going to kick gonna win? your butt when Do I think done. he's going to win? <laughs> It'll be like you. I... It's you, little bugger. i got to take you home and play with my dog. I'm taking you home. You hop in this pickup truck right here now, boy. Yeah, go. I'm going to tie you up and bugger you like a little pig. I'm going to make you squeal, boy. You've gone <laughs> way <laughs> south <laughs> on this now. That's I, not I even what that, I was insinuating. I think that... Um, I think it's probably going to end up being Trump against Hillary. That's I think it is, too. I actually point. don't think and it's going to I be. I think that I if actually, Hillary has a 
I think that if she has any more problems with this email scandal and she has to drop it's it, irrelevant. or it will, it's see, irrelevant. See, it will affect well, well, here's her the thing, Adam. It's only affecting the Republicans. It's not affecting well, the Democrats. They don't care. But Adam, here's the thing. She, if, if, if it's just, if there's one more thing on this email thing, that's going to sink her. It's going to be like all these people that are supporting her through all this are going to yeah. oh my God, that one more thing, that just convinced me. No, but you Let's think, dump Hillary. Do it ain't going to happen. Do you think every Democrat but, out there is going to go, oh, oh dear, no, this email thing is come through it's been proved I'm not going to vote for that I'm going to vote for Trump no no it's going to happen I don't think uh, what I think is is if if the general election and it looks like it will comes down to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump I think Donald Trump will win in a landslide because really yeah I, I really do hmm. and uh, I think the one thing out. I have to say to any liberal progressive Democrats out there that are listening to this show go home I want to ask Tie a what very the hell are you thinking? tight rope around your neck. You really and put want Hillary into a bath Clinton? You really plug think in the she's radio the best person and put it in the, the bath with you. I don't care if it's a woman or not, but do you really think <laughs> Hillary Clinton is the best choice you've got coming out the can? Come on, she's not. She's not. Uh, she's you know, the, I looked at she's that. She's the designated successor, Scotty. She's the designated successor, yeah. and the press does coronate its. The people that it wants See, in you office. You ask me the question, Adam, and who's you actually dominating? <laughs> I recommend. I highly recommend going to a website called media mediamalpractice.com or .org or something, or look up the movie Media Malpractice. It is all about the malpractice of the media. Go figure with a title like that. That took place in the 2008 elections. What's that got to do with Hillary? It has everything to do with Hillary. It's to do with liberals. It's the rabbit hole. I think we should take all liberals. Don't say it. Okay, we'll go there. Don't. And give them presents. There you go. That was nice. So they feel good? Yeah. So yeah, that you, was nice. Do, that was politically correct. Do you think correct. Hillary will win? Um, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I think the jury's out. Yeah. But what scares me, what scares me is the, on the day of election, is the sympathy vote. The reaction. They get into the booth. They see the two names. I can't do Trump. I do Hillary, but I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's it. I think we're going to conclude it. I think so. everyone's getting delusional. <laughs> Everybody's getting delusional. It's late. Pass the Kleenex tissue, boys. Hey, thank you guys for coming on. Adam, really thank you so much. It's Thanks been for a pleasure. We should come on more often. If, yeah, As absolutely. long as but I want Brother Bob to come along. Now that you're here in the United States, hope to have yep. you on soon, John. Yeah. Please and do. Scotty, if you, if you pay for my expenses, I'll come down to Nashville and spend a week with you. Well, Look at we, him we angling for travel I want to stay time. with the Mennonites. <laughs> do you live you in know, houses that are cardboard with I had a ranch and, and I used, to have, and so I used to have Amish <laughs> Igloos. Igloos in Nashville. Can you get it? Right, oh, Luke, man. Why don't you just take us out, Lukey? <laughs> yeah, take us out, Luke. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Bye. Uh, 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 if you no were a Mennonite, I will run Mennonite. for president. <laughs> I am the new president. Thank you guys Mennonite. for listening to Conspirator. We've had a lot of fun. I like my razor. I wear braces in the winter. Yes, I do. Mennonite.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.